All right, thank you everyone and welcome to the uh, Transient Guest Tax Grant Program Advisory Board meeting. I appreciate the members being here. Um, and I should call roll, but I don't have the roll sheet in front of me, so let me just switch over here to this other screen here and go back one. And go back to that page. I can. Hmm. Okay, well. I know we're missing one person that I know of, so uh, we'll go ahead and get started and I can do the um, things later. But let's just go ahead around the room because I know some of our folks <coughs> haven't, we were here last year and some of the folks may not know each other, so we'll just kind of go over. We'll start with you. Liza McKinnon. Hi, I'm Anthea Scoofus. Brendan Allen. Tim Metz. I'm Joey Potter. And online? I'm Heidi Champagne. Thank you, Heidi. All right, well, the agenda is packed. I appreciate your time. We will have three-minute presentations here shortly. But we did want uh, Porter, and I, I talked with Porter about the uh, individual that had emailed me, and you see the email chain that we have on there that I submitted on the agenda and that you have reviewed, and then also their application. Um, I wanted to get in, input from the board and a decision on how we wanted to proceed with that application. Um, again, I'll let you know, we, we got our first application, we got several one uh, applications starting on about, uh, it was like three or four days after it opened, and we got ones and then a couple twos. The last couple days, the last day we got 17 in, ranging from the middle of the day clear up to 11.57 at night. Um, so, you know, we did get a lot in on that last day. So. Um, that window was open for right, right, right. a month. So uh, anyway, I wanted to leave that up to the board if you have a recommendation for that uh, application or not. Uh, I, yeah, this is a tough one because, you know, you have a month, you know, I've applied to lots of grants and I know what the deadline is and to do it the last minute, you try to avoid that, of course, because if there's problems, it puts you in a sticky situation. Um, I was really impressed by the event last summer, duly impressed, but um, so I'd love to see it, um, you know, happen in full measure, but, you know, they also didn't, didn't, they didn't get it in on time, so that's a problem. Yeah, I, I would concur. I mean, I, <clears throat> we have so many that did get it in on time. I feel it's a little bit of a disservice to them to, um, to accept late. Okay. It's unfortunate, but I agree. Yeah, it is unfortunate. Okay, can okay. I have it in a, in a motion? We want to make sure it's formalized. So if somebody would motion, and then we'll get a second and then vote if we could. Um, I'll move that we um, remove the uh, pride application from consideration. Do I have a second? I'll second. Okay. All those opposed, signal signal by saying aye. Do 
You said oppose. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. For all those. <laughs> sorry. I was they, like, did oh, right. there's, they did it correctly. Okay. Those all in favor, please say aye. Aye. I, aye. I didn't say that. <laughs> and Heidi, you said aye. Okay. Okay. Great. Okay. We'll move on then. So to the housekeeping, I kind of already went through that prior to the meeting, letting you know what's in your packet. Does anybody have any questions before we get started? Uh, one other person I want to introduce is Porter O'Neill, who is the Assistant Director of Parks and Recreation and is has been a long-term person in this event uh, or this process and is also helping with this today and actually is the leader of this. I'm just the sideshow. Side happy to be here and help in any way I can. All right, so we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, we do have quite a few in store. So first up is the Douglas County Special Olympics, and I think I saw her online. Jackie, your three minutes will begin. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me to speak to you a little bit about my uh, grant application. It was a little hard for me to fill out because uh, for us, it's not just one event. We go every day, we go year round. Um, but what we do is we rent, um, all of our practice facilities are rented in Lawrence. All of our foods are purchased from various places in Lawrence. Um, we've worked with the state to host tournaments in Lawrence. We hosted the Special Olympics flag football last year, and I know that tentatively on the schedule this year, we'll be bringing the state uh, bocce and cornhole competition to Lawrence, which, um, you know, we'll drive some attendees there to hopefully be spending some money. Um, one of the things we're facing not facility related um, this upcoming year is the need for new uniforms which we do design and order through locally through Joxnich. Um, they're just pretty pricey uh, we don't we're a nonprofit, so we don't charge our athletes to participate or to have their uniforms or anything like that so we're fully funded by donations um, and I, I would open myself up to any questions um, that you guys might have for me. Mm. Anyone have any questions? Jackie, um, this is Heidi. So Hi. if I missed this part in the beginning, how many attendees do you feel will be coming in for the Olympics? You know, it varies by season and sport. We had 68 athletes participate in basketball and cheer. And so that brings in, you know, their staff, the people who watch them, things like that. Um, for the state competition that's going to be coming to Lawrence, there we are what is in called the metro region, and there are 12 teams in our region, so it will be all those 12 teams and their, their drivers, their coaches, their volunteers, their family members, and that is scheduled to happen in the early fall. Um, but it varies from season to season based on participants that go out for that sport. Okay. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Are these all-day or multi-day events? Mul uh, so we have uh, 
different sets of metro events, and those are single days. And then every season after their metro has a state competition, and those are typically overnight, sometimes two nights, but uh, mostly just one. Thank you. And you did say there would be one state competition here in Lawrence? Yeah, we're, we are tentatively set for uh, bocce ball and cornhole. And the only thing that makes it tentative is we haven't found the right location, but we are looking within Lawrence um, because flag football in Lawrence was such a big success. Okay, thank you. Thank you, all right. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. Next up, the UA Future Mid-America. Uh, let's see. I do you, I don't, I'm trying to get the list. I don't have the list with the names on there, so let me. Uh, Are they in the. In we have a representative of that here. Name's Rafi. Yep, that, that, that's, that's me. Okay. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys taking the time. Um, 2024 will be uh, the third year for us having this event. So, our Under Armour uh, Middle School Basketball Series, we have regional events throughout the country. Um, you know, for, for Lawrence, we pull from about 10 to 12 different states. Um, so a lot of these teams are out of town. Uh, I think the last two years, it's been about 55 uh, to 60 teams. So about, call it 10, 10 players per team and their parents. Um, in terms of recorded hotel room nights in 2022, we did 150. Last year, uh, we did 221. Um, there was obviously a portion of that that, they're supposed to book through us, but we didn't capture. Um, but our goal was to get to about 65 to 70 teams, uh, May 4 or 5, uh, 2024. So that's a weekend event, all day Saturday and Sunday. Um, and we hope to get about 65 to 70 teams and about 250 to 275 <laughs> hotel room nights. Um, something we've struggled with for the Lawrence event relative to others um, is a kind of videographer or content capture that kind of meets our standards. Um, our Instagram following has um, upwards of 20,000 followers, um, and this would allow us to probably pull in uh, a videographer outside the region to come in and shoot, um, which I think would help highlight uh, Sports Pavilion Lawrence even better. Thank you, Rafi. Any questions? Yeah, I noticed that you, I didn't see a budget in your application. Did I miss that, folks? Right. Yeah, I didn't see it either. Did you hear the Can question? You hear the question, please. The I, we weren't able to find a budget in your application. Yeah, so so our, our events are are self funded. So we have um, entry fees to cover for the teams that cover our facility rental sports pavilion, our scorekeepers, our refs, um, and then we charge um, admissions at the gate, which is typically um, where the profits come from. But you still have to submit a budget. I mean, I understand yeah, I, how you I get your revenue. That. I, I must have. I must have missed that. Um, our our annual uh, profit on that is usually between five to ten thousand um, dollars. The rental for Sports Pavilion Lawrence is about ten to twelve thousand uh, dollars. Refs cost another, um, call it eight to ten thousand um, dollars. Staff travel another two. And you know how much we can get for teams is negotiated, um, but we try and cover at least our facility rental um, costs with the entry fees, and then make the rest back with admissions. 
So my apologies for not submitting that. I must have missed that on the application. Do we accept follow-ups, you know, from this session? I think, yeah. I mean, I think all things being equal, you, you, you still need to submit us a budget. Yeah. I don't mean okay. to be difficult, but I, everybody else has. And so it's, it would be, I think, not good of us to consider your request without it. And also, yeah, no, that, that, that's an oversight on my part. And I'll, I'll get that to you guys. Yeah, just send uh, it to me, that. to my direction from the web, the web page there. Okay. We're interested. Or I guess I sent you emails, so you'll send it back to me. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm Perfect. Sure. We're interested in seeing where the TGT tax money would be spent. Right. Perfect. Yeah, I'll put that together for you. Thank you, Rafi. All right. Moving on, Richard Renner. Where should I go to present? Just right there at the podium. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Richard Renner. I am the producer of the Lawrence Busker Festival. I want to thank each and every one of you for taking out your afternoon to devote to making Lawrence a really unmistakable town. Uh, from the looks of the list of the applicants, we have, too, that, that we have a vibrant uh, culture going on, and a lot of things are going to be happening. You will have lots to remember today, so let me make it a little easier. I've made a handout flyer that has all the pertinent points in my presentation, and I'd like to ask my unpaid assistant Porter to come up here and pass these out, please. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> genuflect. On May 24th and 25th and 26th, we will present the 16th annual Busker Festival. It was started as a simple two-day event with local performers and has grown to three days now of fun featuring performers both local and international. To be clear, a busker is a street performer who practices their art form anywhere a crowd can gather. They are primarily, but not limited to, musicians, magicians, variety performers, all with high-level skills. This is an event that is unique to Lawrence, Kansas. It is one of only a handful like it in the United States and perhaps the biggest of its kind. It is not a franchise event or something derived from another town. It is homegrown and one of a kind, like I said. This year, I'm excited to say we have a wonderful lineup of performers coming to our town from all over the world. Performers from Australia, Germany, England, and East Lawrence. <laughs> we also feature local acts and, whole, and a whole stage devoted to local musicians. People who come to our free event know that they will see something unusual, fun, quirky, unique, and these are the exact same words Explore Lawrence uses to describe the town. And that's our festival. We are so... Uh, closely associated with Lawrence identity that when our performers are getting applauded and cheered, so is Lawrence. And our event pays off for Lawrence too. When we do digital marketing through Explore Lawrence, our ads are most effective in Denver and Chicago, among the many surrounding cities we go to. Anecdotally, we have people telling us they arrange their whole family reunions around our weekend, and they come to, come to town just for our festival. The festival alone buys 40 nights of hotel rooms for our performers while they are here. And we estimate another 100 rooms or so are booked as well. The Kansas Tourism Department has a calculator that tells us that our event brings in over $560,000 in tax revenue from the lodging, restaurants, and shopping. Not a bad return on TGT money. This grant is very important to our event. Without it, we cannot market out of our region. In the past, it has funded billboards, radio ads, a digital campaign, all intended to draw people into our wonderful town and event. 
I humbly ask you to please fund us at our full amount this year so we can continue to make Lawrence unmistakably great. Thank you. Any questions for Richard? I'm over my three minutes, I think. Uh, you're right at yeah. post, yeah. Questions, no? <clears throat> Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Next up is the Central States District Barbershop Harmony Society Fall Convention. And Doug? Yes. Thank you. Um, I am Doug Brott. I'm the director of events for the Central States District of the Barbershop Harmony Society. And um, that is a singing organization, um, all a cappella. Um, each year, we conduct uh, two conventions, one in the fall and one in the spring. And in 2019, we started uh, our association with Lawrence by booking the Doubletree Hotel as the convention headquarters and the lead center as our venue for the singing competitions. Besides meetings, educational opportunities, and other things going on with the convention, we conduct quartet and chorus competitions as well. And those are all held at the um, lead center. This past October, we start, as I said, we started in 2019. We kind of got messed up by the COVID a little bit. And uh, last year and this year, again, we were able to hold our conventions here. Um, this year in October, we had 32 quartets and 12 choruses that participated in the singing competition. With the number of uh, people attending, uh, just under 700, we had over five, we had about 520 room nights. The grant that we have requested would enable us to um, continue to keep, to add more educational opportunities and keep our registration at a current level. Unfortunately, historically, we found that when we re increase the registration costs, um, uh, attendance decreases and then it takes a while for that to come back up. So this grant would work two ways for us and uh, it would be, we have the, the, the teams that we have worked with at the Lead Center and the Doubletree are tremendous. We want to stay here. Right now we have commitments at both through 2027 and we want to make this our permanent home. Thank you. Questions? Anything you clarified? Just wondering, how many, um, other than your the actual participants, does, does the lead center track attendance? I mean, do we know how many people? We have a lead center mole here, so I'm... Well, hmm, um, being called out on this. I'm not exactly sure. I think people do attend, though. That's my question. Oh, yes. Yeah, that, the, the 700 included um, not only participants in the competitions, but, but family, friends, people coming to watch and, and, and just hear the singing. <clears throat> Thank you, Doug. Yes. Thank you. Next up, we have iHeart... Local Music Presents, Fally Afani. Hi, Fally. Hi, hi there. Am I able to share my screen? Yes, okay? and we did have your presentation, but since you have it, share, you can share yeah. it your way. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Okay. And the reason I ask is because um, um, 
uh, there's some video clips in there too. <laughs> so you may or may not be able to hear them. Okay. I Heart Local Music Presents, um, you know, is something that we've done always. It is, uh, you know, something we've done for the past decade, connecting I Heart Local Music with our community, with free music to get uh, residents and visitors, you know, more in line with what local music does here. And also at the same time, strengthening our economy and showing what we can do. This is a series of free concerts and all the photos you see in here are from things that were I Heart Local Music Presents. You'll even see photos from Pride in here because that started as an I Heart Local Music Presents with a focus on music. We just happen to always book drag performers with everything because we really love the drag community and we try to connect arts communities together when we can through our live music events. And that also helps get people connected more with music. So these are all photos that I've taken. Then some examples of our events like include Pride. Um, every Pride except for the one we just had was an I Heart Local Music Presents. We also had a Queen tribute, which was really fun, and an ABBA tribute that was really wild and exciting. And we put these in different venues throughout the year. And we aim to have these at times of the year where it's really slow and there's not a lot going on to kind of keep the economy going, the local music economy, as well as, you know, the downtown economy. Um, the community impact on this is pretty priceless. Um, you can see there that it's some, these, you know, what I've found is that people in the pandemic, they got used, they got used to not going out and it's been really hard to get that younger generation involved again. All these events are free and accessible. That's uh, something that we can't do without the help of uh, funds like the TGT funds and grants. Um, because when you take away the barriers, it makes people more likely to get involved with their local arts scene. And we also invite a lot of organizations to come out table and take part. This has a really good economic impact on our cultural economy beyond just heads and beds with hotels. We also, whenever we book these, we have a lot of people telling us they stay in Airbnbs, they just drive into town for it. We have a really strong connection with the music and drag scenes in Topeka and Manhattan, and so they come in as well, too, and that attracts regional visitors from all over, and they just spend the night. I wish I had harder numbers. I haven't been very good at taking care of that, but I'm hoping to in the future because I'm learning more about it. And grants like this can help us expand and grow more so that we can have harder data and uh, have a bigger cultural impact. This also aligns with TGT's goals and the Lawrence Strategic Plan. This provides free music events that will enhance Lawrence's character and reputation. It boosts tourism by showcasing the local music scene. Um, it demonstrates our unmistakable identity. And our events require really a diverse cast and representation. That's always been for sure. We have people who are trans, black, Mexican performing all on the same event. The performer in this photo, actually, that was their first one. And it kind of, that prompted them to move to town. And then they started performing in our venues every week. That's a huge cultural impact. I'm going to see these videos play. Just a couple of quick clips. If they don't have audio, let me know, and I'll just kind of go past them. So. Yeah, there's no audio. No audio? No audio. This is one of our graduates who are engaging in And then this is um, one of the earlier prides we did. Uh, this, I think, might have been pre-pandemic, even. No, or post-pandemic, I can't remember somewhere it's all blurred together. But, you know, a lot of what we do involves putting musicians right in front of your face. So sometimes we do things on the street leading up to it. We'll kind of take people down, um, you know, get their attention into the venues, like in a very literal sense. Uh, so thank you for hearing from me today. I'm not sure if I went over my time limit or not. I didn't have my timer running. Um, but it's, this is something that is very dear to my heart and everything I do in my work revolves around strengthening our local music economy. Thank you, Fally. Okay. Anything clarifying you needed before we move on? 
Sally, what are the dates of the music events? Are they throughout the year or? Yeah, so I always, I always seem to have one in February and I have one book. We just are waiting until um, the next, to get through the next couple of weeks to announce it. And I, um, and you know, it, I'm very strong in marketing and promoting, and so I'm like really eager to get on that right now. Um, and so we have one in February, and then we try to do it when there's kind of a lull in the summer at the end when there's not a lot going on. But usually we aim for like the winter and then the slower summertime months. Thank you. Good. Fally, do you have any other, um, have, you, have you sought any other sponsorships? I didn't, I don't know if I saw that in the application or not. Yeah, so we're, and we're still gathering, and we have uh, like a couple of local businesses that like to um, try to help match the funds on that and help with sponsorships. But you know, they're not, uh, they're not, they're, they cover a little bit, and so, but not like enough to sustain the events alone. Right, and then is did I read your budget right? Is your budget six thousand? It, it, it was not. It was not really clear on my screen. You know, it was kind of small, and I was trying to explode it, but I couldn't tell. It looks like it's six thousand to me. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. I was confused by yeah. that. Um, yeah, and some of that includes venue rentals. Some of the venues used to let us, um, you know, just kind of throw events, whatever. But they're struggling too after the pandemic, and I don't want to put any stress on them. And so a lot of this is also helping us not just work with the artists and the creators, but the venues and the whole ecosystem and sound guys, you know, and all that um, that helps support the local musicians. Thank you. Thank you, Fally. Moving so on, much. we have uh, I Dig Bio Digital Data in Biodiversity Research 2024. Sounds like a fun convention. Um, and I'm looking for, let's see if I can find the name real quick. Sorry, I had it and then I lost it. Andrew. Andrew. Yeah, Andy Bentley. Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to present. Um, and sorry, I couldn't be there in person. I was diagnosed with COVID last night, and I thought I'd probably not want to share that with you. <laughs> we appreciate um, that. So I'm presenting today on behalf of uh, both the Biodiversity Institute at the University of Kansas and IDIC Bio um, for the IDIC Bio Digital Data and Biodiversity Research Conference, which is going to be held May 28th through June 1st um, of 2024. Um, the conference is being jointly organized by um, the Biodiversity Institute and IDIC Bio, which is an NSF-funded natural history collections digitization hub. So one of the things that natural history collections are doing a lot of now is digitizing all of the information associated with the specimens in their collections and making them available to the outside world. We're also going to be engaging Haskell um, Indian Nations University. Um, there's a lot of tie-ins with some NSF uh, programs that they have running as well. The con this is going to be the eighth edition of the conference. It's usually held at various different venues around the country, um, and it typically attracts between 200 and 250 U.S. and international in-person research scientists and students to the conference, and about three times that many online um, through Zoom. Um, we've been working with Jayhawk um, Hospitality um, here on campus, as well as with Explore Lawrence to arrange hotel blocks um, and venues and travel logistics and all of those kinds of things um, associated with the conference. Um, it is a three-day meeting of oral and poster presentations with two, day, two travel days, so five total days um, of attendance for all of the attendees. Um, it's going to be hosted at the Burge Union on the KU campus, um, and there's going to be events at the beautiful Kansas, um, the KU Natural History Museum that you can see in the background there. Um, there is an icebreaker social event that is um, associated with the conference um, that's going to be at, at an off-campus um, Lawrence venue to be determined. Um, all attendees will be staying at Lawrence Hotels, so we're looking at 
probably about a thousand room blocks. Um, uh, there's going to be ample opportunities during the attendance of the conference for people to um, socially dine around town, to shop around town, and to visit some of the local um, area attractions as well. We believe that this is a great opportunity to elevate the status of the University of Kansas, the Biodiversity Institute, and the Natural History Museum. But more importantly to this group, we think it's a great opportunity to elevate the profile of Lawrence as a conference destination um, while bringing substantial tax, do tax dollars into town. Um, just a side note on that, I've already been approached for next year for 2025 to host a very similar conference um, here in Lawrence for between 400 and 450 people um, because of this, um, this opportunity that we've taken up um, right now. And with that, if anybody has any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. Anything yeah. needing clarification? Yeah, Andrew, I'm just wondering, do you have other, um, with this estimate, it's, I'm a little confused, do you have any other um, commitment uh, in support of this project financially? Yeah, so the, there are commitments from the Biodiversity Institute at KU and also from IDIC Bio. Okay. So we will, we will be jointly funding the meeting. We're hoping that the TGT tax dollars um, will offset some of the cost of um, the Biodiversity Institute's um, contribution to that. Are there fees for the participants? Yes, there are registration fees associated with the, with the conference. And those usually go to offset IDIC Bio's um, input to the, to the conference. But it's not open to the public generally, right? I mean, it's, it's only open for paid no. registrants? No. Yeah, only open for paid registrants, correct. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks so much. Moving on, we have, uh, let's see, it is the Circuit of Champions by Big Time Hoops and Jamil. Hello, everyone. Um, thank you for your time today. Hopefully everyone can hear me clearly. Um, this will be the fifth annual um, Circuit of Champions of Kansas um, at the Sports Pavilion. Um, we are requesting grant funds for a specialized marketing campaign directly associated with this event. So the Circuit of Champions is hosted in 14 other states. Um, last year, our numbers decreased for the event because um, we feel that these certain events that we host need to be marketed um, across the United States. Even with our um, limited number, our decreased number of teams um, last year, we still drew teams from Arkansas, Colorado, Iowa, Minnesota, Texas, Missouri, Illinois, and Nebraska. So we would like to increase those number of teams that will actually compete from eight to at least 12 this year. So those marketing funds will help us create social media videos specifically catered toward Lawrence, Kansas, and Kansas, the, the, the state of Kansas as a whole as well, to attract those, those teams from other states. Um, we will promote these, these specialized videos on Instagram and on YouTube. Uh, we project to have at least uh, 100 to 110 teams this coming year with about 50 to 55 teams requiring lodging. So that would translate to between 240 to 300 rooms over the May 18th and 19th weekend. With that being said, I will open it up for questions. 
Anyone need anything clarified? No. Thank you, Jamil. Thank you. Have a good day. You as well. Next up, we have the Perfect Game Baseball College Campus Series, Jayhawk Classic and Angel. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate your time and certainly, Roger, with your guidance and leadership. Appreciate the structure that's been created. Um, I'm blessed to be able to present this to many various partners across the country, and I appreciate the process that goes into this and the selection as well. Um, but as it relates to Perfect Game, we have a pretty, a very good college campus series event um, that's really unique because it does include the University of Kansas as part of that, where the athletes will be able to uh, have a local component to attend a college baseball event. In last year, we were able to target 48 teams uh, total, and that's our, our goal is 50 plus for this year, um, with teams from a drive market throughout the state of Kansas, uh, staying overnight for at least 200 room nights. Um, two of the specific hotels that benefited from our event last year were the Country Inn and Suites, as well as the Baymont. Uh, we did have uh, teams from Missouri, um, and one each from the state of Iowa and San, uh, South Dakota that came and enjoyed your destination. For our, any uh, public support does go and offset facility costs um, for those elements of the event. Uh, one of the strengths of what we do for our 8 to 8, a 14U age group is that social media dynamic. It's an aspirational model. So every, whatever goal and objective that athlete wants to achieve as they grow in their baseball path, whatever that may be, whether it's to play high school, collegiately or professionally, um, there's tools and resources that we do market and advertise not only the event and the destination along with athlete performance as well. Um, but that's a snapshot of Perfect Game. We do well over 600,000 room nights across the great country. Um, and then we do have some international events. And our focus for this year on the baseball side will be to extend that drive market to those states that touch uh, the great state of Kansas and trying to get more visitation, but certainly understanding that the facility capacity is where we'll be um, will be capped but we're hopefully to grow that event uh, having local stay home and not needing to travel to some of our bigger events and other concept events like this is certainly a benefit that we try to highlight as well so that citizen and visitor engagement piece any questions or clarifications people need it looked like in the uh, application most of the fee would be used for rental fees is that just the facility itself Yes, the facility itself. So uh, we've only allocated that across the country, just that certainly understanding public dollars. And do you have any other financial support at all, Angel? No, we do not. Okay. How many locations, I, I just interested, um, how many other states are you holding? Obviously, they're going to have different names, but kind of similar events. Uh, well, ironically, this is one of our first college campus series events, and we only do another one currently at uh, University of Missouri uh, in Colum uh, Columbia. Uh, so that concept is growing. Uh, however, we got to get them right in both of our core cities currently. But we've had a lot of campus, uh, college campus communities uh, with an interest of this concept. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But we certainly have to be courteous to our current partners and We'll probably consider those on the east and west coast as opposed to somewhere else in the, in the Midwest region. Thank you. Thank you very much. You make it a great day, all right? Awesome. Thank you all. Next up is the holiday show tradition at Theater Lawrence, Linda Honeyman.
Hello, everyone. Uh, yes, Theodore Lawrence is getting in the Christmas spirit, as we do every year. We're a nonprofit uh, community theater with 300 seats, and we've been performing for over 40 years. So um, we see a lot of the same families coming in. We love telling the story when we sell our tickets that if they come in and stay overnight, they can attend other events in town at the Art Center and the Leeds Center, of course, and the Old Fashioned Christmas Parade, pretty much all in one weekend. So uh, we do have, dis we work with some of the local hotels for discounted rates, and we have those on our website. This year we're featuring the Stony Hill uh, Hotel out at Rock Chalk Park. And if the kids want to stay in a hotel with a pool, they'll have to stay with Derek at the Hampton Inn. So we know a lot of the hotels in town because actually I used to be in the hotel business. So we can make recommendations and we love doing that. Um, we uh, spend about $100,000 each year on creating a holiday show. Uh, we spend that on uh, costumes, set, and royalties is a big thing because most of the time we have a Disney performance, which they charge us more for the royalties. Uh, let's see, oh, the American Association of Community Theaters documented that people in the year 22, which was right after COVID, spent $151 billion in the communities of small theaters of performing arts. So Lawrence definitely got a piece of that. I know our restaurants right across the street actually a lot of times do entrees that tie into our holiday show this year. It's the Christmas story, the Red Rider BB gun, and it opens tomorrow night and goes until the 17th. So uh, most of the shows are already sold out on December 14th. There's still openings, but um, you know, creating the tradition takes year after year. Uh, working with some of our uh, other friends in town, so we feel like we actually do have one of those traditional pull factors for the city of Lawrence. So I don't know if there's any questions about the grant application. We love doing new things and we love experimenting with some of the marketing that we have in the community and even on a statewide uh, program through KPR and uh, trying to reach new audiences. Last year our ticket sales actually showed that tickets came from 12 states. So uh, a, lot, a lot of it is families of the actors who are volunteers. We have a thousand volunteers who work with a staff of about five. So, um, you know, we can keep costs pretty well under control and change things easily. But if we didn't have our volunteer pool, we couldn't do it. So the community definitely has a vested interest. And quite honestly, uh, the extra sponsor uh, funds that we bring in. We actually have to limit who's in the Christmas show because everybody wants to be in the Christmas show, but yet they're all using using it as part of their marketing budget. So in order to keep the value for them, we actually have to tell some people they have to pick another show. Mm -hmm. So that speaks highly of the success of the holiday tradition. Thank you. Any questions yes. people may have with the application or clarifications that are needed? Okay, I only have one folder left, Porter. <laughs> or one flyer. I, I do have one quick question. Yes. So, uh, 
It appears most of the people that come to this are probably local, though, because yes. the hotel nights was uh, seem a bit lower. Um, yes. So not too many people from out of town. Okay. Right. And most of the time, it's, and quite honestly, a lot of the out-of-state ends up staying with their families. Mm. But, and I try to get the hotels to do a direct link so we can uh, track the statistics. But uh, just like, you know, uh, a link may not show the total discount because I was just working with Cynthia at the hotel and there was something wrong with the link. So, you know, people call us and go, okay, I'm trying to get my discount. The link doesn't work. So that happens quite frequently when you do specific holiday special rates, that type of thing. So our tracking isn't very good at this point. And it's not huge numbers, but the money, the footprint that's left in the community is huge. And I wish there was a way to track that. You know, it's like, okay, how many, uh, you know, light lamp cookies did you order? Or, you know, whatever they name the entrees. So, uh, but it is a community event. So, thank you for all of your work. Thank you, thank you Linda. Thanks, Linda. <clears throat> okay. You know, we're running ahead of schedule. I like this. That's good. That's it. Yeah, really. Huh? Oh, I know. I may just kill us all, and you can beat me later. Okay. So we have next up is the, let's see here, the Free State Frozen Sectional Bridge Tournament. And Representative Mark Elster. Yes, sir. Yes. Great. Hi. Good afternoon. My name is Mark Elster. I am the president of Unit 234. Um, Unit 234 of the American Contract Bridge League is a Kansas not-for-profit corporation. We're the Northeast Kansas unit of the American Contract Bridge League, which is the international bridge uh, support organization. For those unfamiliar with bridge, it's the ultimate trick-taking card game with unquestionably the most fun for four players to have with a deck of cards. The International Olympic Committee recognizes the World Bridge Federation as a sport. Like every sport, bridge has a lot to offer its participants. It is, is and has been enjoyed by millions of people worldwide, including Dwight Eisenhower, Winston Churchill, Margaret Thatcher, John Kennedy, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, to just name a few. Um, there's a local bridge club here in Lawrence called the Caw Valley Bridge Club. It's located up north uh, by I-70. And the unit also supports that local bridge club where local residents can play daily. Uh, this request is for a tournament that we sponsor annually uh, in Lawrence for ECBL members and other bridge players that we'll hold next February, 2024, at the Spring Hill Suites here in Lawrence. About 80 to 100 bridge players per day attend the tournament. They come primarily from about a 250 mile radius, a lot from Lawrence, Topeka, Kansas City, but also get people from Nebraska, Iowa, Columbia, Missouri, Southern Missouri, Oklahoma, Wichita, Emporia, that kind of an area. It's a, it's a three day tournament. It, there's a morning session, afternoon session on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday and Saturday. The players are released for time to go eat in downtown Lawrence. Sunday we use a local caterer to cater in a meal 
to feed everybody in the, between the sessions. Uh, we cater coffee every day using a local caterer to provide coffee and a few other things. Um, some of the participants stay in local hotels, mostly the Spring Hill Suites, and this is an annual event that we hold every year in Lawrence. That's this event. I should also mention that we also sponsor an event that has been held in Topeka biannually every other year. In 2026, we're considering moving that to Lawrence. That event is five days and about four times the size of the event next February. So it's much larger and a couple days longer. We're looking at space here in Lawrence for that tournament uh, in 2026, beginning in 2026. All right. Questions anyone may have or clarifications of the application? Do you get many um, spectators other than the participants? Very few, but a lot of times the participants will bring someone with them. We call them kibitzers. That's the local term, and they can sit and watch and learn. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I just have a real quick question. Just wondering. You said you were going to be in the process of printing uh, flyers that you want to distribute in five or six states. How, like, how are you going to distribute those? Um, we distribute them by email. We distribute okay, them. Well, there's a regional tournament in Kansas City in okay. December. We'll put a pile there, and okay. they're also posted on the ACBL website, so internationally anybody can look them up. Okay, thank you. Anything else? No? Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Next up, we have the 52nd Annual Kansas State Fiddling and Picking Championships, and I see Max is online. Max. That's right, yeah, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm broadcasting from the University of Kansas here, uh, and I'm actually, we're in the middle of our fun drive at KPR, so forgive me for being outside in front of Caruso Leary Hall. Um, but I just wanted to start out by thanking Porter, um, and, and of course everybody else on the CGT Program Advisory Board. Uh, what a cool program. City Commission, uh, what a generous gift to make Lawrence an unmistakable destination. Uh, one point of clarification, uh, due to a rushed application, I had a typo. This year, on August 25th of 2024, it'll actually be the 42nd annual, not the 52nd annual, but uh, even 42 years, I feel like, shows a degree of self-sustenance. Um, what we're looking for, basically, uh, you know, we're already promoting the event quite a bit on local airwaves um, and using social media and things like that. Um, what we're really hoping for is to expand our marketing budget. So you, you, you all, I imagine, are, are looking at the budget right now or you've seen it. Um, our marketing budget, with the help of the TGT um, Program Advisory Board, we're hoping to balloon it from $1,750 last year to over six thousand uh, dollars for next year with the idea being that we can target more people in the surrounding states uh, for those not familiar with kansas state fiddling and picking championships there are eight instrument competitions and new last year there is also a band competition um, as far as regional impact and uh, regional attendance i just wanted to run through uh, a real quick list of the hometowns of winners going back to 2019 uh, are you ready we've got lawrence kansas city kansas kansas city missouri Joplin, Missouri, Eudora, Kansas, Wichita, Emporia, Ottawa, Williamsburg, Hayes, Arlington, Aptos, California, California, which is in the Santa Cruz area, uh, Olathe, and Topeka. So we're confident that uh, we will continue to get the support that we've gotten over the last 42 years from Douglas County uh, and, and uh, the Kansas uh, region. Um, 
but we're hoping with a little bit more marketing power behind us um, that we can expand our reach a little bit and get more people. The band competition, which was uh, a first-time event last year, uh, was, was incredibly popular, and I'm really hoping to get in touch with some regional bands that I'm familiar with in Colorado, Oklahoma, uh, Nebraska, Missouri, places that could reasonably you know, make the one-day drive to attend the championships and come and compete. Uh, as far as how we plan to spend the money, the number one priority would be, like I said, advertising. Uh, going down the list, it would be design, uh, printing, and then uh, paying a videographer to shore up some more of our stuff. Um, and then I don't know how much I don't have a timer going, so I don't know how much time I have. Um, About thirty seconds. Are there, okay, perfect. Are there are there any questions in thirty seconds? Max, when is the um, championship taking place in 24? Uh, it's, it's always the fourth Sunday in August. So in 2024, it will be Sunday, August 25th. Great. Thank you. Of course. Thank you all for your volunteerism and uh, what a cool program the, the City Commission has put together. So thank you very much, everybody. Thanks, Max. Thanks. Thank you, Max. Next up, the Crash Combat Championship 3 Downtown Fight Night. Asa? Uh, Zach, Zach, okay, Asa that's Collier. not the name I have. Okay. Asa Collier is with me here, though. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm Zach Busha I'm with Crash Combat Championships and Lawrence Fight Club. Um, <clears throat> we're a local mixed martial arts uh, gym that hosts people from Haskell, KU, um, Lawrence High School. A lot of like a lot of local people um, come there to um, to learn about martial arts and stuff like that. Um, with the uh, Crash Combat Championship into that, what we what we're looking to do is um, bring in a lot of regional fighters from Kansas City, Wichita, um, Topeka. A lot of the connections that we've built over over the years um, with the martial arts running, bringing them. A lot of them are bringing their families from around, um, and uh, and their fans and people that people that have followed these these fighters for a long time and have them compete on a on a local level uh, with martial artists here. Um, and uh, build the community around that in Lawrence. Um, so what we're looking to do um, with, uh, with this one, this will be our, our third event. The first two have done very well, and what we've done is mostly, mostly people from out of town, people that are followers and friends of the, the fighters show up to these, and what we'd like to do um, with this event is host something downtown so we can bring, it, bring a lot more local local attention to this as well so bring bringing them more into uh in the the fray and with your guys with with a little bit of support i feel like we could lower the um the entry cost and get people to get more people on a local level um to uh, be exposed to kind of what we're doing here and build a more positive <clears throat> positive message around what we're doing rather than just thinking of this is you know brutal cage fighting but thinking of it more as like a a respectable sport that um is a a big part of lawrence um, we we will be do um, the plan is to um, do this on Eighth Street and partner with Taco Zone. Uh, this would be um, April 9th when we would do this. Like I said, it would be our third event. We are also partnered with um, Shannon Woodward in Topeka, Kansas, who has uh, about 15 years of experience in just the promoting side of that. He's kind of been a mentor for us, learning how to as we learn how to kind of promote these shows and stuff like that. And um, He's gotten uh, spectators up to about 3,000 people, and we're hoping to do something similar in Lawrence. Clarifications or questions? How many, how many participants are you, you planning? 
It depends on how many um, how many fights we have. Generally, it's about 12 to 15 fights, so just kind of like double that. Basically. And what's the entry fee? Uh, 35 usually is, is what the, the general entry fee is. And we have a lot of people that are um, buying tables and things like that who are spending extra money buying merchandise, um, concessions, and all that stuff. So there's a lot of tax revenue coming in from all of that as well. Obviously, um, getting hotels from people that were out of town, things like that. So it definitely brings in a lot from um, out of the area. So is the fighter pay then like if they win? Uh, so 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 it, it depends because we because we have pros and we have amateurs on the amateur level then um, we, we we allow them to make money on ticket sales but we're not allowed to pay them directly so they so they basically like their incentive is to sell more tickets so that they can we can just kind of basically split the difference on that and then uh, professionals then it's just negotiated by contract so if if it's a more <clears throat> if it's somebody more well known then we're gonna have to pay more for that person uh, but you know, it just depends depends on fighter to fighter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the budget's kind of hard to break out that like expenses versus income, right? Like, cause you're, you have a variety of- Yeah, so yeah, but we do we do have like a, a, a set structure of how much we do have to pay because there's, there's, a, there's a lot of costs that come out because of the Kansas State Athletic Commission. Mm -hmm. Cause we have to partner with them to make sure everything, everything's done, make sure we have our insurance is in line, everybody's safe, we have, we have, um, um, sanctioned doctors. We have sanctioned. We, we're required to have um, um, EMTs on site with with a uh, what am I thinking? Ambulance. Yeah. Um, so so everything is. There's a lot. There's a lot to pay for. So we have to pay for a lot of those costs, and this would help uh, uh, float some of that. And like I said, re reduce the cost of entry and get more people involved in this. Some of this strategy is more long term too. We really want to build the uh, martial arts community in Lawrence and really make this a hub for. For, um, for martial artists. We have a lot of really great martial arts gyms and I have really good connections with several of them who have actually competed in these events as well. So, I mean, you're gonna, <clears throat> the plan is to close off 8th Street. Is yep. that kind of how that would work? Mm -hmm. Do you worry about the, the timing and the weather being so early in April? Just, sorry, that's kind of a random question, but. Yes, um, that, is, that is a really good question. And yes, that is something that we're preparing for and trying to figure out what we want to do. There is, there is a, an insurance possibility with that um, as well, that, that insures specifically against um, rain, which again was a suggestion from our mentor who, who works with us from, from Topeka. He's a really great guy and really has a lot of smart solutions for that stuff. So in which case we would probably postpone and then use that money to kind of turn it back over and, uh, and uh, do it another day. I, I don't know how the street closures work. I was just going to mention that. Is there enough time right. to pull now, that off? Yes, there is. But I was okay. going to encourage, as the, as the division that handles the right-of-way street events, there is an application process, yeah. and we do, we do require a little 90-day period, but we can actually shorten that time a lot. But yeah. the sooner we get that application, we can start that process. Absolutely, yeah. So. Asa, Asa is, is really great about being on that stuff. He's already started. Um, he's already looked into great. the application process we know what it takes because we know you can't just walk in and say like oh the streets closed uh, so yeah we're, we're definitely um, on all that stuff uh, we'll work with that on whoever you know yep. has the application I try to get other departments involved in it too and have great. a meeting prior to and mm -hmm. several meetings up leading up to the event so great yeah and then the more the more we can partner with people like taco zone and other local businesses we want to get more people involved too to make sure everybody right. in that area is on board and they have they uh, they looked at closing the street I know they had a mm -hmm. rain issue at the yeah. time that they were going to close it but they do know the process as well so sure mm -hmm. 
Thank you. Sweet. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Next up is the Free State, Free State Festival 2024, Marlowe. And I believe your presentation is on that screen. Perfect. Down below, if you can find it. Did you? Is that good? Can you see it? Uh, you'll need to share, I think. Is that uh, Porter, the Porter. trusty assistant, will help? Oh, actually, Kurt's helping oh, from Kurt okay. behind this curtain. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Kurt. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Marlo Angel. I'm the director of the Free State Festival. We're in our 14th year. We are a signature event of Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, we were the only Lawrence event that was recognized in the Kansas City pitch, Best of Kansas City 2023. And I believe the headline was Free State Festival, a beacon for freaks and freedom in the Midwest. So I think we're going to make that into our marketing campaign for 2024. <laughs> uh, this year, we had 3,000 audience members, actually a little bit more than that. Uh, we are produced by the Lawrence Art Center, and we work with partnering organizations for literally every single event that we do during the festival. Uh, this year, we hosted 36 unique events during the week of June 27th through July 2nd. We partner with about 24 community partners, including the Dole Institute, which is represented here. We uh, showcase our events at over nine venues. We want to give a beautiful tour of Lawrence for our visitors that come in and experience all that's unmistakably about our city. We host 33 artists. That includes visiting artists and then also local artists. That's the beauty of our festival is that we bring in national headliners. We get people here from out of town and then they meet and fall in love with our local artists. So it's a platform for those networking connections as well. Uh, we showcase our art in unique ways. So if we're doing a film presentation, there might be music that goes with it. This is DJ Spooky doing a live score to a silent film. Uh, music, this was really fun. This was a tribute concert that Heidi Gluck, one of our Phoenix Awards winners, did. And it featured uh, members from the Lawrence Community Orchestra. It was her first time working with classical musicians. So it was really cool. Uh, we do visual art. This is our first time doing dance in 2023. And that was a really beautiful experience with some visiting uh, choreographers from Kansas City and Wichita. And we also hosted the Downtown Lawrence Sculpture Exhibition during our festival this year, which was a lot of fun. Uh, ideas, we love to showcase comedians and thinkers uh, from all walks of life. And this was Chris Estrada, who really tore up the crowd. He was amazing. We do a lot of hospitality, so we combine uh, opportunities to feed everyone. This was uh, on the left. This is Jason, the native chef. And he did a wonderful uh, community meal in between some film screenings um, using some beautiful organic ingredients. And then on the other side of this, this is Free State Beer. They did a pairing with us. So we did short films, and they did beer samples that paired with the short film. So we try to give our local businesses a lot of love and opportunity during our festival. This is my favorite slide, because this is why I keep doing this festival year after year. It's, all, it's a lot about the economics and the wonderful cultural things, but the connections that are made during this festival, this is what is long-lasting. Uh, we have right here, Boots Riley is on the left. He went home. Uh, he's a filmmaker from Oakland, California. He went home with a Black Lawrence t-shirt after our festival. People come in for the festival. They don't just come in for one day. They're here for multiple days. If we do one-off screenings during the year, they're in and they're out. But during the festival, they fall in love with Lawrence. They get to know people. They get to know organizations. And it trickles down. Uh, this is Rebecca Schlichting on the right side there. She's on our Lawrence Cultural Arts Commission, KU professor. And she's interacting with the uh, K Kansas City Indian Center, uh, which is a great connection for one of our films. Uh, next on the lower left, 
That is Janet Merguia, who is the national head of the Council of La Raza, now called Unidos US in Washington, DC, former KU alum. And she had a film called The Gumbo Coalition, and we served gumbo from Terrebonne, so it was a lot of fun. And that's Mayor Courtney Shipley, the first Hispanic mayor for Lawrence. So making those connections is really impactful. Um, this is DJ Spooky, who I showed in a different slide, and he connected here with Ollie Hall, who's a local artist, and they're gonna do a silent film collaboration in October together, and they met during our festival. So there's so many wonderful things about our festival. We have a three-to-one return on investment for the creative economy. We track our numbers very well, so people give $20,000 uh, from funding for grants, we send it right back out. I have the art of breaking even down to a science, so whatever money that we get in, it goes out to vendors, contract artists, locally, it's in the city, we're renting places, we're you know, feeding people with food from our town. Uh, attendees, about 10 to 15% of our attendees are out of state, 40% are out of Lawrence. In 2024, I have some goals. Uh, we want to do, like right now, we sold out this past year in 2023, we sold out our all access passes very quickly, and those are primarily local people who come to do that. We want to get our out of towners to buy all access passes and stay here for more than one night. Usually, our out of towners come for a comedian, they come for a musician, they're in a one night, two nights at the most, and then they're out. We want to keep them for a week in Lawrence, Kansas. So one idea that we had was to partner with Explore Lawrence to look at hotel packages. Can we get it all inclusive, all access pass in a hotel and give them some great rates for the week? Um, can we also work with our businesses and do some really fun marketing opportunities? I was exploring the idea of marketing with some outside entities like Tulsa, Columbia, Wichita, um, and what was the other one? Oklahoma, like a lot of these great places that are in our surrounding area and trading some ad space for their festivals and we'll put our ads in there and try to get our outside people in. Um, we are also trying to do some daytime programming. Uh, we do weekday, night, evening programs because most of our uh, attendees that spend the night here are townies. But in order to track people during the week to stay here out of town, we want to do some conference -y type things during the day. So that'll be a new addition. If we get the TGT money, we'll be partnering with the Lawrence Music Alliance to do some programming and other partners as well. We have, okay, um, thank you. Do we have any questions? Done? All right, thank you all. Thank you. Thanks, thank you. Should I do anything with this, Kurt? No, you're good, okay. you're good. Okay, that wraps up the first hour. Fire hose is now turned off for a little bit and we'll take a little break and be back at 2.10. Thank you. <sighs> Marlo's like we're gonna reformulate here or reconvene from our short break okay board are we ready to go Heidi are you ready to go I am ready to go okay great just want to make sure everybody's back all right, the next one up is the Kansas Half Marathon and 5K, and Elizabeth Kiever is here. Good afternoon, Elizabeth. Hello, how are you all? 
thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And really, most importantly, thank you so much for supporting the Kansas Half Marathon. Um, I believe for the first time last year, it made a really significant uh, difference for the race this year. And I really want to make sure I capture how important your support was. We had a really unprecedented challenge as the race this year. Um, we had competition from Salina this year that we hadn't had in previous years. Uh, the Salina Crossroads Marathon um, was on the same weekend, uh, largely because they had a lot of economic uh, development funds were left over COVID dollars to support that race uh, from an economic development standpoint. And they were literally giving away free entries to the marathon and half marathon. And despite the fact that we were not able to give away free entries because it's a fundraiser for Heartland Community Health Center, we still exceeded the number of people who participated in the race this year. So that's really significant that you were able to give us the financial support to make the marketing and the efforts and really solidify the Kansas Half Marathon as a high value race in our community. Uh, so last year we had 857 people who participated in the race. We really are still working on getting back to pre-COVID numbers and expecting us to grow around that 1200 mark. I truly believe that if we didn't have the competition with Salina Crossroads, we would have gotten it this year. And when it comes to the economic benefit here in our community, we had 482 of the 857 runners this year who lived outside of Douglas County. While some of those individuals lived outside of Douglas County, still within driving distance for the race, we're estimating around 300 overnight hotel stays because we had runners representing over 35 different states as well as some international runners. And it's really powerful to see the growth in community, in the running community, to see the goal of running in all 50 states. It's a very common thing in the marathon and half marathon world uh, to attract runners from across the country and internationally to really drive that home. And uh, for many people this year, we were, uh, they crossed the finish line and finished their 50 states. Uh, so it's really powerful to see. And the race is a beautiful opportunity to showcase Lawrence. Uh, packet pickup starts on the Friday before the race, and people get to enjoy downtown Lawrence. It's in the evening, and they're able to pick up their packet, explore downtown, get a bite to eat. If they're not coming in on Friday night, uh, they can pick up the packet downtown at, at Astro Running Sports on the Saturday daytime, and again, enjoy downtown. Many people who are there for the race often stay at hotels adjacent to downtown uh, because the start and finish of the race is at South Park and people are able to conveniently get to and from their hotel that way. Uh, and when you look at the map of the race, it really showcases all that uh, Lawrence has to offer. You, you run down uh, Mass Street, you go through Old West Lawrence, the Burroughs Creek Trail, you go by Haskell, you go through East Lawrence and Old West Lawrence. It's really a lovely showcasing to a lot of people who might not have otherwise been here. Um, like I said, 482 folks outside of Douglas County participated in this race this year, and I'm certain that 
this race allowed them the opportunity to see parts of our community that they never would have otherwise seen and really enjoy the trails and natural beauty uh, here that we have. Elizabeth, that's time. Oh, sorry. No, no, you're fine. Questions or any kind of clarification you need in their application? Anyone? Um, what is the date of it for 2024? Yeah, it's uh, always the first Sunday in November, the one that falls on, um, sorry, I have it in my application, um, November 2nd, yeah. Great, thank you. Daylight savings time day, which makes a big difference when you start setting up at 4.30. <laughs> <laughs> I know well. <laughs> yeah, poor Roger. Got a phone call from me. Oh no, it's all good. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Elizabeth. Wait. Oh, you had a question? Oh, sorry. Just one more, I guess. Sure. I mean, looking at the budget thing, I mean, there's a fair revenue uh, over the cost. I mean, so without, it looks like the TGT stuff, you would still be okay without it. Yes, but. Um, it is a fundraiser for Heartland Community Health Center. Um, so this event, if it was a cost neutral event, we wouldn't be able to afford to put it on. Um, yeah, so okay. we rely on that revenue to provide quality and affordable comprehensive health care. Gotcha, all right, thank you. Yeah. That was probably in there and I missed it. So. No, it's okay. Cool. All right, thank you. Thank you. And Thanks, Elizabeth. Cynthia will be ex excluding herself from this. Uh, I will, because I'm gonna go up be presenting, yes, that's Pardon right. And just to let people know and clarify, she will not be scoring her oh, individual <laughs> event. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then Darn. we'll just take the other scoring when we get to that point, and we'll go over that at the meeting next week, so. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you. And this is the KU Powwow and Indigenous Culture Festival. Lori, you want to start? Hi, I'm Lori Hasselman. I'm the director of Native American Initiatives uh, at the University of Kansas, and I'm also a part of this wonderful collective of the community uh, that of the committee that organizes the KU powwow and has for a very long time. We're in our 35th year of the, the KU powwow and the seventh year of the cultural festival. Um, there's so many ways that this event engages the community, the larger community and our students and their families in this event that elevates the cultural identity of Lawrence um, in this event. We have uh, families of students that come, that plan on coming every year. Um, I Just recently, um, I was aware that some of the people at the military base that uh, come over and engage in, in, the, in the powwow, which is really, really exciting. It also highlights the diversity of the na native representation that's in our community that's really helpful, um, that includes Haskell and Lawrence and the, the surrounding communities. Uh, last year, we had about 5,000 people that were in attendance, which was up from probably around 3,000 uh, pre-pandemic. Uh, so it is growing, and it continues to grow every year into a very large event. This year, we're expecting uh, a lot more in attendance. Um, sometimes the drum groups that we have at, at the powwow is a large draw, so we try to get some really popular drum groups. But this year, the the uh, in addition to some community commitments to support the powwow, the university has made a commitment to uh, powwow grounds. And so the Leod Center has uh, graciously given us some space 
that is just off of the the space that we normally have the powwow and the university is uh, beginning construction on some actual powwow grounds that will be dedicated to the use of this annual event so we're really super excited about that we really are because it shows you know when you put some commitment and the community comes to work together on something that it can really build and grow and this certainly has done that we're really super excited about it and it's so great to have a committed powwow grounds um, at, at KU. We also wanted to highlight for, sh for sure to the Indigenous Cultures Festival, which is a part of the powwow. It's separate, you know, really the powwow has been in existence for a long, lo much longer time. The festival has been a little bit more new addition, but it really allows us to dig into more and provide more opportunities for com community and family members to participate. Um, the last year, we think we had about 70 vendors show up and are out in the parking lot, food and artisans from all over the United States. It was really impressive. Um, we have native-focused kids and family games and activities inside. Uh, this year, we're going to present Powwow 101, which is a very popular. Jancita Warrington presents that each year and really educates our community on what powwow is all about in this history. We're going to have a native fashion show, um, screenplay readings from young native screenwriters who've worked with uh, Tinglet professional screenwriter, Michiana Alice, who has um, um, a, a, a well-known now uh, film uh, called Fancy Dance that we're going to be showing as well. Uh, we're going to uh, present um, a panel that's going to focus on the Osage people of Kansas as well and some other panels um, leading up to uh, the powwow day, the, the Friday before powwow. We always present the Lead Center of Contemporary Indigenous or Native group. We're going to have the Honolulu Theater um, for youth presenting for us. Uh, and we have a bunch of other stuff, too. But we have to quit now. Yes, thank you. <laughs> you got my cue. I got the cue. Any questions from the board? No. All right. Thanks for Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Laura. Thank you. All right. Uh, we're moving right along. Next is the Lawrence Restaurant Week. And we have Laura Klein representing them, I believe. Laura? Yeah, hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, I have a little slideshow for you. Um, just to make it a little bit easier to see, which I will share here. Um, um, give me one moment. My computer is not wanting to cooperate, so I will share information with you that's on my slides, um, and then I'll email them after. Um, so Lawrence Restaurant Week, hopefully an event that you're all familiar with. Um, we are um, on track for January um, 19th through the 29th, so it'll be two weekends in one week, um, right on the heels of the Kansas City Restaurant Week. Um, it'll highlight um, all locally owned um, drinking and dining establishments. Um, 
and we invite guests uh, for special menus um, and special features that showcase kind of what each establishment has to offer. Um, I'm sure as many of you know, outside of the university, the hospitality industry is the biggest employer in Douglas County. Um, so it really facilitates and puts on showcase um, not only an important part of our economy, but also a really big driver in tourism. Um, so last year we received uh, TGT grant funding and it was really instrumental for us. Um, we partnered with Explorer Lawrence and with that money, we were really able to advertising to surrounding areas, um, including Kansas City dining areas to try to really draw in some um, crowds from outside. Um, it kind of promotes, um, in addition to promoting um, the hospitality scene within Lawrence, it also promotes last year was, or the first year to promote um, the Hospitality Workers Relief Fund, which is a low barrier fund that provides emergency assistance to hospitality work workers in Douglas County. Um, and it partners with local uh, nonprofits to do so. So last year um, with the TGT funding, we were able to cover our administrative costs and increase our advertising. And and then able to fundraise about a little over $10,000 for the hospitality relief fund. So in addition to um, increased restaurant sales that then feed back into the TGT tax, um, we were able to um, donate over $10,000 to local partner organizations as well. Um, last year with uh, the grant money, we saw um, more restaurants participating than ever um, with uh, over 80,000 unique users interacting with event content, content online, um, 450,000 Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter impressions um, on dedicated event pages adjacent to community pages, including Downtown Lawrence, Inc. and Explore Lawrence. Um, we had 38,000 TV and streaming service ad impressions with Midco um, on Newsy, CBS News, MTV, Fox News, CNN, um, Discovery, MSNBC, and Paramount. Um, we had 150 website page views um, with event content online. Um, in 2022, we had 160 unique out-of-town visitors with uh, that generated an average of 1.5 hotel nights each. Um, and in 2023, our restaurants reported um, that it was the most successful restaurant week event yet. Um, and that was without a single KU home game, uh, basketball game within that 10 day period. So um, restaurant week was a really was a driving force in volume, I guess is what I would say. Thank you, Laura. That's your time. Any questions okay. for clarifications for her that you'd like to have answered? Thank you, Laura. You make yeah, it a great absolutely. day. You too. Next up is Rev It Up, Hot Rod Show and Street Fest, Michelle Cronister. There she is. Oh, Good timing. I just walked in the door. I was hoping you wouldn't call me while I was on the turnpike. <laughs> <laughs> It's on my way back from Topeka. So um, Rev It Up, um, we are in our 16th year now. Uh, we started off as a car show um, for the community and as a fundraiser. Uh, we have our own nonprofit, and we would select uh, um, a not-for-profit in the community to give the, the funds from the car show to you. 
it has become a festival. Um, when we increased our uh, music headliners, um, we upped our game um, and started getting some international recording acts in there. It became a free concert, which um, created a, a different dynamic in the community. It brought in more people for the music instead of just the car show. And then year before that, or yeah, in 2022, um, we started creating a family zone to have um, um, not just the food and drinks and things like that, but actual activities for people with children to come and, and hang out and play in the park. And it was a huge success this year. Um, we had about 475 cars, thousands of spectators, and um, about 60% of our car people were from outside of Douglas County. That being said, um, we are in the process of um, putting together a pre-party on Friday to have um, car guys come and uh, we want to do a concert somewhere in the downtown area. Uh, we don't know yet um, who we're going to be partnering with, but um, we want to have a concert and a registration time to get the car guys there the night before so that they'll stay so that they'll use the hotels. Um, and uh, we are also drawing from Nebraska more. Um, one of our, um, it was gonna be our headliner last year, but one of the, the band members um, had cancer recurrence and he's in recovery now, but um, they have a big draw. And if we can bring them back again this year as maybe an opener for our headliner, um, that will bring more people down from Nebraska as well. Um, we have Amber Fox scheduled as our headliner out of Southern California. She's um, she's in Europe right now, but she's an exceptional musician and um, she has a huge draw. So um, we're looking forward to bringing people in for that. And we'd, we'd, we'd really like to get more overnight guests. Any questions or clarifications people need? Is there a fee for participants? No. No, my husband and I put up the money for all of it because it's like our tie to the community. So we pay for the musicians and we pay for um, all of the fees to put on the show. We buy the merchandise and then every penny that's raised for registration for the cars, if they do make a donation, um, every penny goes to the charity of choice, which for us has been the Ballard Center for quite a while now. That's uh, just one question. That's great, by the way. Um, but um, just in regards to your budget, um, it was a little hard to read for me because it came in upside down and kind of. <laughs> so just, yeah, just note that, that it was just a little hard to read the budget. Okay. Michelle, if you want to resubmit, I can, I can send that back out. So if you want to kind of put it together or just clean it up and get it back, we can do that, okay? Oh, sure, I'll be happy to, yeah. Okay, any other questions or clarifications needed? All right, thank you, Michelle. Thank you, appreciate you guys. Thank you. Next up is Operatic Expressions featuring four of America's finest singers, Jesse. Hi, we're, no, Je Jesse isn't here. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm the one who's doing it. Is this where you want me to be? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, <clears throat> I apologize. I'm dealing with the stuff that everybody has right now. 
My name is John Paul Johnson, and it's an honor to be here to, to speak with you today. Uh, I am the Foundation Director for the Mid-America Performing Arts Alliance better known as MAPA. MAPA is a nonprofit organization that offers world-class, educationally-based music programming. Each event features internationally acclaimed musicians and local artists who teach and mentor local musicians in addition to performing. This is the second year of MAPA, and I brought this so you could see just how much this organization has been doing. There's basically a concert every month that uh, MAPA puts on for the, the Lawrence area and the wider area. These get advertised in Nebraska and also in Missouri. Uh, in addition to performance, our main uh, focus is on education. Whether that be within a concert, workshops, master classes opened always to the public, or since budget cutbacks in the Lawrence Public Schools have eliminated private instrumental study in the elementary schools, we now offer group string instrumental lessons in two of the elementary schools here in town. Our purpose, again, is sharing of music, but more than that, sharing education about music. Our wish is to become a household name here in Lawrence, this given our second year, and also to be known uh, throughout the surrounding communities with uh, continued great programs and education that are engaging, diverse, and without the stigma and elitism often associated with classical music. Our hope is to become one of the many diverse ev events here in Lawrence that draw people in for overnight stays and a chance to experience the beauty, the vitality, and the culture of our great city. Our desire is that you will choose us to be a recipient of the transient tax um, grant. Operatic Expressions, for which we are asking your assistance, is the final event of the 23-24 MAPA concert season. Why this event? Lawrence is known throughout the United States as the singing city, so it only seems appropriate to come to the city to ask for funds for our singing event. It will feature nationally acclaimed vocalists Lauren Alga, Sarah Curtis, Ugo Vera and Paul Hindemith. In, a, in addition to a free concert at 7.30 on May 4th, 2024, there will also be educational and community events throughout the day. All of these events, all of them are open to the public and they are all free. All will provide educational collaboration with Lawrence Public Schools and our college students, the Lawrence community and those attending from Nebraska, Missouri and beyond. Other events within the 23-24 series have, will include and have included concerts, clinics, and workshops featuring instrumental chamber music, organ, piano, Kansas City Lyric Opera, and the Lawrence Children's Choir. <coughs> this is the second year for this vocal event. Last year, it, it received such great national attention, including in Opera News, and uh, was well covered by the press. The concert that we had that evening was well attended. The uh, St. Lawrence Catholic Center was packed. One last comp uh, comment. Why MAPA when we have KU and Haskell Indian Nation University? Having served as KU's director of choral activities for several years, our universities must first and foremost consider their students. The resources and all that they have is put toward their students, not the community. This is an organization for the Lawrence community and beyond. 
I thank you for talking with me. And if you have any questions, I'd love to answer them. Any questions or clarifications needed? No. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John Paul. I just, this is so awesome that you guys are doing this. When I, when I was at KU, I never knew about this. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Next up is the Nutcracker, a Kansas Ballet, Alex Olson. Good afternoon. My name is Ryan Taha, and this is Alex Olson, and we're coming to you from the Lawrence Arts Center. We're excited to share about our production of The Nutcracker. The Nutcracker, a Kansas Ballet, an original Lawrence Arts Center production, is a highlight of the year for Lawrence and the entire Northeast Kansas region. This classical ballet is based on E.T.A. Hoffman's original story, but with a local twist. It is set in Kansas during the Civil War. December 13 through 15, 2024, there will be five in-person performances. There are approximately 120 members in the cast, and each cast member has family and friends that attend the event in, in addition to patrons in Lawrence, Northeast Kansas, and beyond who prioritize buying their tickets, resulting in sold-out performances each year. Last year's audiences traveled from 95 zip codes, 71 different cities, and 21 different states. There were a total of 1,371 tickets sold for the performances. Over the past five years, audiences traveled from 233 different zip codes, 145 different cities, and 28 different states. A total of 7,387 tickets were sold to the Nutcracker. These audience members dined out in restaurants, stayed in hotels and shop locally. The Art Center's production of The Nutcracker is only performed in Lawrence, nowhere else in Kansas or Kansas City, and has been performed for nearly two decades. Because the history of the state of Kansas is included, the production appeals to audience members from across the region, making Lawrence a destination for many. Similar to the lighting of Massachusetts Street, The Nutcracker is a milestone in the holiday season. The Art Center's social media reach is extensive at 12,000 followers on Facebook, 6.5 thousand followers on Instagram, and 6.4 thousand followers on Twitter. Last year, we made eight different social media posts for the Nutcracker, and across these posts, we had 8.6 thousand impressions, 7.5 thousand reach, and 1.3 thousand total engagements. With this TGT funding, we will have the ability to reach audiences even further through paid social media ads, radio spots in surrounding communities, and advertising in regional magazines. Additionally, the Art Center has just launched a new website today. <laughs> and with SEO optimization, so anyone who types in Nutcracker and Kansas in a search engine will be directed to our website and this event. Thank you very much for your time and consideration. We are very grateful of TGT's past support, and we hope to work with you again next year. Any questions or clarifications needed? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next up is Lawrence Lights Making Spirits Bright. Rob Gillespie, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Gillespie, representing Lawrence Lights Making Spirits Bright. The Lawrence Sertoma Club and the Lawrence Realtors Community Foundation collaborate to bring the holiday light show to Lawrence. The lighted drive-through tour features animated displays synchronized to holiday music played on a dedicated FM radio station. In partnership with 
Parks and Recreation, Lawrence Lights will be on full display at the Youth Sports Complex in Southwest Lawrence. All proceeds remain in the community and support ben beneficiaries of Lawrence Rotoma Club, Lawrence Realtors Community Foundation, and the Parks and Recreation We Folks Scholarship Fund. Lawrence Sertoma Club was chartered in Lawrence in 1929 with an emphasis on the speech and hearing impaired, and the Lawrence Realtors Community Foundation was founded in 2018 to help stabilize housing and households. We think Lawrence Lights would be a worthy recipient of this grant because it operates from Thanksgiving to New Year's, six days per week. Feedback that we have received includes that it's great family-friendly tradition, it's fun to share with visitors that are in Lawrence for the holidays, and it puts funds raised back into local worthy causes. I do have a footnote on the budget. Um, we would be increasing uh, our new expanded displays from 17,000 to 29,000. We made a math error there, not from 12 to 29. <clears throat> Uh, all, long, all long-standing traditions have a beginning, and next year will be our fourth annual. Being awarded this grant would give us a much-needed boost to improve the experience with more displays to ensure our continued growth of visitors for years to come. Any questions or clarifications that anyone needs? Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Okay, next up, the Americana Music Academy Downtown Lawrence Music Crawl, Miller Christie. Hi. I'll give you these to kind of pass around as a visual. My name is Christy Miller. I'm the executive director at Americana Music Academy. Um, and this spring, our organization is going to be hosting the first annual Downtown Lawrence Music Crawl. For those who may not be familiar with us, Americana is the only nonprofit multi instrument music school in Lawrence, and we operate out of this big old house right across from Liberty Memorial Central Middle School. Um, I'm seeing nods, you all are familiar. Um, right now, we serve 140 students. Um, this Current, um, they range about from four to 80. This year, we either arranged or provided scholarships for almost 40 students in the Lawrence area. Um, children, youth, adults, all are eligible for that scholarship. So we really have a big outreach and an important impact. Um, in your handout, you'll see a booklet that shares kind of who we are as an organization, just to give you that scope. And it speaks really to the tremendous community that's growing up in Americana right now, full of people who have found that music has changed their lives and who are excited to share it with the larger community and invite them to take part. Um, the inaugural Downtown Lawrence Music Crawl was born out of this energy and will take place the final Saturday of April, April 27th, as a gift to the Lawrence and regional community. The event will lead visitors and locals through downtown Lawrence through a series of mini concerts, interactive experiences, and community engagement activities. In an established grant partnership with the Kansas Creative Arts Industries Commission and with local businesses, we aim to create three to five musical event sites that will reclaim underutilized spaces throughout downtown. You'll see on the map in your handout some of these proposed locations which we are in the process of confirming and which are designed to draw um, visitors throughout downtown past all of the downtown businesses. It's an all-day event. They'll stop at restaurants to eat. They'll shop between different offerings um, really designed to highlight the vibrance of what happens in downtown Lawrence. 
The sites will be shaped around the theme that you see on the cover of your booklet. Teaching music, one site will offer free and subsidized music workshops throughout the day. Making music, one site will be devoted to a variety of community music making and jam sessions. And experiencing music together, at least one of the sites will host musical performances all day long. This is an innovative project that will draw diverse multi-generational audiences, musicians, instructors, and volunteers from across the Midwest region, leveraging our connections with organizations and events like FIDPIC, the Caw River Roots Fest, and Folk Alliance International, which draws a national audience in every February, and we, we have good connections with them. Um, we intentionally planned the event for downtown because we wanted it to be pedestrian friendly and we wanted it to um, be able to be enriched by the downtown businesses and shops and we expect that a lot of folks coming from the region will spend the night um, at least Friday or Saturday night if not both because it will take place all day Saturday. Um, music performances will range from folk and roots to jazz, rock, indigenous and more and the artists will be selected to represent and celebrate the diversity of Lawrence and the regional music communities. We'll also feature interactive experiences such as instrument making workshops, instrument petting zoos, and other kinds of jam sessions that will be um, of a multi-generational and multi-demographic appeal. These activities will encourage community engagement and enable visitors to learn more about music and the local music scene. And we look forward to building this as a signature annual and unmistakably Lawrence event for years to come. We are grateful for you to consider um, funding our event, and we really look forward to seeing you at the crawl in April. Thank you. Any Thank you. questions or clarifications anyone needs? I'm just wondering how many um, art artists, musicians you think you're going to employ or utilize for this event? Yes. Um, my goal is to employ a minimum of 20 to 30 musicians, um, potentially more. That is one of the real draws of the, the program, too, is to be able to offer employment for musicians. You know, so often we ask, like, oh, would you volunteer your services? But that's one thing that we really hold highly at Americana, that these are professionals who, who need to be compensated well. Great. Um, and to that point, I also, can I, can I pop in one more thing? Um, we also really want to have a lot of workshops um, and employ workshop instructors. Um, things like how to restring your guitar or how to get started on ukulele or how to build, you know, um, and employing those instructors too and making sure that people have an experience of music being accessible, that you don't have to have these lofty goals to be able to be musically involved. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to... Nick, before I'm going to throw an audible. Kurt, did you get my email? Yes. Okay, great. Thank you. Next up, Mixmaster 2024, Nick Carswell. Thank you. Uh, hello there. I'm Nick Carswell. I'm the director of the Lawrence Music Alliance, I'm a performer with Carswell and Hope, and um, run this Mixmaster Music Conference. Uh, yeah, thanks, Roger. I have two slides just for some visuals. Being a musician, I'd like to see visuals. Uh, this was this event happened, uh, it, the 10th edition of this conference happened just this past September. Uh, it started in Lawrence. I had several years in Kansas City and then several years when we were virtual. And this was the first time we were able to gather together at Lawrence Public Library. So it's a music conference for the music industry, musicians, uh, and anyone really connected or work in the music industry. Uh, delighted to hear Christy's presentation just before mine too. Um, we are looking to grow this. This was the first, like I say, the first in-person event 
event after the pandemic. And we really see this as a unique event and a great need in our wider music ecosystem here in Lawrence and across the state. So we were looking to expand upon it. Uh, this year we had 100 people in attendance. We did compensate 25 musicians, all panelists and contributors were compensated for their work, which as Christy mentioned as well, very important that we value their time and ask um, people in the industry not to do things for free. The uh, project was funded by Community Arts Grant this year, as well as some economic development funding and a partnership grant from the Kansas Creative Arts Industries Commission. So the state is very interested in this program too and, and the history that we have. So it's professional development for musicians. We talk about the art of music, the business of music. It is one of the very few opportunities for the music industry to connect in person, in a safe place, uh, in a bright public setting, uh, to talk about how to do more with their music. Music. And there really is not, there's a major gap in this, in the music ecosystem. There's one nearby uh, conference called Folk Alliance, which is very expensive and an international conference, which is kind of out of reach for most people. So we're really filling the gap. Um, and it, with the, but being back in person was a, a great success this year. And we really saw some fantastic impact in conversations. Roger, on the next slide, please. Oh, Thank or whoever has it. I have it. Nope. Whoops. Oh. There we go. <laughs> so we are looking to expand in 2024. Again, we really see this as an opportunity to um, position ourselves as the premier music industry conference in Kansas and in, within the region. Uh, we want to uh, expand what it means, who our stakeholders are, as well as, uh, for example, tourism. Uh, the tourism, we've had conversations with Explorer Lawrence and tourists, others bureaus from other cities have a vested interest in this kind of work because we all know that music drives uh, tourism and the creative economy so we can uh, be leaders in, in hosting those kinds of conversations. We're also going back, we have in previous years had a live music showcase so there will be concerts associated with this in local venues around town which adds that element so it's not just music industry or music musicians but um, Anyone who enjoys music can come to Lawrence, experience the event, experience the workshops if, if they're interested, if not just have a unique exp experience with live music in Lawrence. And then we are, this is part of, it's kind of our flagship program for the new Lawrence Music Alliance, which is filing uh, for nonprofit for 2024. And uh, we really see this as a key event. As I say, there's a kind of a lack of networking opportunities, development workshops within the music industry. And we think Lawrence again can lead in that with city support that does help us leverage other support, both corporate, private sponsorship and other grant funding um, to, again, just improve the music ecosystem, have more music, have more musicians, create better work, better businesses and grow the music economy and the community here in Lawrence. Any questions or clarifications the board needs? Thank you all. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you, Nick. Next up is the Call River Roots Festival, Michael Hanna. Hello, everybody. I'm Mike Cannon with Cover of Roots Festival. I appreciate your time today. Uh, we are in our fourth year coming up in 2024. We had a TGT grant in our first two years and did not apply for one uh, last year, but we're here uh, today to ask for a TGT grant to expand our marketing efforts. Um, each year of the festival in the first three years, we've grown the size of patrons. And one of the things that we're most proud about is that we've averaged uh, people coming from 12 different states each year, at least 12 different states. Um, so it really is a destination. Um, it's a roots music festival that expands many different genres, mostly bluegrass, folk, Americana, uh, rock and roll, and soul. It's multiple stages uh, right here in downtown Lawrence. The main event is at Abe and Jake's. And one of the big things that people, the feedback that we get about what people like about this compared to other festivals is the ability to have a hotel right next to the venue. 
Um, it's a little bit older demographic than what you might think of in terms of music festivals. So they're not really not into camping anymore. And they like that, uh, you know, the ability to just be able to go over there, take a shower, sleep, take a nap, come back and enjoy the music. Uh, we also have a reentry policy that's a little bit different where we let people go in and out of the festival. So even when we're not open, uh, but even when we are open and we're, at, we're having acts play, they're free to go downtown and eat dinner, walk around, shop. So we really have a uh, uh, economic impact that reaches far beyond uh, just the event itself. But specifically what we're going to use these funds for is to target people who are outside of Lawrence. Um, that's the way that we can best grow this festival is by continuing to bring in people from all over. And we've had uh, people from coast to coast. I think the farthest patron uh, this past year was from Maine. So it really does have a, a draw and we want to continue to do that. There's a lot of competition uh, in other Midwest communities for events like this. And so we feel like that's where these marketing dollars can best be used in order to draw those people here in the Lawrence and to uh, keep being coming back and bringing more people each year. Um, we also have a concert series that we do throughout the year where we'll bring in acts maybe to play at the bottleneck or someplace like that uh, under the guise of our festival and so that's a way that we also have an impact uh, throughout the year not just these few days uh, in the summertime. But. Uh, that's basically what I wanted to let you all know. And oh, we also have averaged over 100 uh, hotel stays each year of the event. And we're hoping to increase that. So um, any questions? Yeah, I have a couple of questions. Um, what's the date going to be? So that is an excellent question. Uh, it was usually the last weekend of August. We are in the process of perhaps moving that to June. Um, but we have not made a finalized decision on that just yet. Okay. I think that's a bit important to know because, you know, we've had other applicants for funds for that weekend. So, mm -hmm. you know, if just let us know yeah. as quickly as you can firm that up. Yeah. It, it, we're pretty sure we're going to move it to June, but I don't have an exact date yet. Uh, the third weekend of June is looking like the biggest possibility. Okay. And then did you have a budget? Yeah. Uh, I didn't see a budget. Did online. we not did submit you? the no. budget? Yeah. There was one. Did you have one? Oh, okay. Wow, well, I couldn't. Oh, gosh. I if you did, I didn't see it. Where did? Was it? No, that's Lead Horse. This is. Oh, um, I'm sorry. I'm on the wrong. Okay. This is uh, yeah. Cobb River. Yeah. 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 yeah, our budget is about between fifty and sixty thousand dollars total. Well, we want you to submit. Yeah. If you, okay. Just, yeah, I will submit email that. Email me back. Okay. We'll yeah. get you. Yeah. We'll get it on the board. Okay. Any other questions? Thank you. No, and I, if you could get that done. Pretty quick because they're going to be scoring and stuff. Yes. So we'll need that. Okay. I'll do that this afternoon. Appreciate that very much. Thank you. Sorry about that. Oh, you're good. Okay. Next up is Stocktoberfest. This one nope. is intriguing. Nope. Uh, no, I'm sorry. sorry. Break. Oh, lead horse. Lead horse. Oh, I'm just looking at this list. <laughs> oh, this is flipped. Apparently, I got it flipped somehow. I think it was, well, I think there was, yeah, because I had people doing two. So, yes, thank you. Lead Horse Open 5, the premier Native American powwow dance competition. Sorry about that. And Frederick? That who's? Hello, members of the Transient Guest Tax Advisory Board. My name is Freddie Gipp, and I'm the CEO and founder of Lead Horse LLC. We are proposing to host a weekday Native American dancing competition at the Lead Center on Kansas uh, on Tuesday, November 5th, 2024. This will be the fifth installation of our signature Lead Horse Open series, with our previous competition being held at Union Station in downtown Toronto, Ontario this past September. 
Our expansion internationally signifies the growing momentum of our cultural programming efforts with the intention of establishing the foundations of a professional Native American powered dance league based in Lawrence, Kansas. We took a year off this past grant cycle to adequately plan and prepare for our return back to Lawrence. Now, we are committed as ever to maximize our impact that bolsters economic impact and revenue and success through one of Lawrence's strongest, diverse, and unique cultural tourism and recreational traveling assets, which in my opinion is our Native American competitive power celebrations. The true identity of Lawrence that makes it unmistakable is closing in on its centennial anniversary with the historic Indian celebration held at Haskell Institute in 1926, where tribes from all over the country came to commemorate the arch by hosting a buffalo feast and most importantly, a power competition. We are hoping to build that framework again that slowly magnifies our way of life. Power is rooted in our culture, always has been and will continue to be as long as we are here. We believe that our event will be the go-to stop in the overall power market next year by strategically hosting it during the off-peak tourism season in midweek November and two days after the annual Choctaw Power in Durant, which is one of the largest Native American competitive power celebrations in the country. Our method is simple. By hosting events during the week that supplement larger powwows either before or after the weekend, it has been proven year in and year out that Native American dancers, singers, and artists and craft makers will travel anywhere at any time just to powwow. The funds that we're requesting for the Lead Horse Open 5 will go directly towards the head staff honorariums, dance competition prize purse, host room honorariums, lead center rental fees, and marketing. There will be two dance categories with open registration and will feature two championship drum groups from South Dakota and Iowa. We are confident in a strong turnout of participants and spectators that will pull into Lawrence during the week, therefore satisfying the transient guest tax for hotel overnight stays. Lawrence is widely recognized as a viable area and destination driver for our power dancers and singers, and we believe that it is time to enhance the character and reputation of the city as we embark on a new path that encourages individuality, passion, economic self-sufficiency for our comp competitors, and instant tourism for our community. My name is Freddie Gipp. I'm the CEO and founder of Lead Horse LLC, and I'd like to thank you for your time and consideration on the future of cultural tourism in Lawrence. Aho. Any questions or Clarifications needed from the application. Hey, Freddie, I just have a real quick question on the on the budget because you had um, venue expenses, lead center thousand, but then on the other a total amount awarded, lead center occupation three thousand. Yeah, there was a typo on that. I realized. Okay. Yeah. So the thing is that it's settled for a thousand, and then what I'm going to do is redistribute the extra money and use it for marketing, because we are going to be hosting uh, fundraising efforts in January by having a gala at. Cider Gallery on, on the 25th too. So, so that's a budget. That's a budget uh, miss thing on my fault. So, okay. my apologies. No, thanks for clarifying that. I appreciate it. Do you have any other sponsors yet? Uh, at this moment, we have. We're talk, We're in talks with um, like my tribe and a couple of individuals. But as momentum goes, you know, it's a year out. Um, this is kind of just kind of just the, you know, set us going forward. Okay. So none at this time at the moment. All right. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Also, typically we. We raise like around annually like thirty thousand every year too, so that's just a portion of it. Like I said, thank you though. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Oh, Freddie, I have one other question. I was just interested. How many people did you have in attendance at the Toronto? Uh, we had over thirty-eight registered contestants. Um, overall, about five hundred people that stayed in and out because it was in Union Station too, so it was sure. the first of its kind. So. Well, just interesting. Yep. Thank you. All right, we are at a break point here. And we're still ahead of schedule. I like this. We're doing well today. Don't jinx it. I know. Well, we only have one more stanza to go on this thing. And I, I want to clarify what happened is there's somebody that has two applications, so I moved her down to the to the time so it worked out so they could do them back to back. So that's why 
I was calling because I had the list from the original entry. So, and if I didn't tell you this order is random, it's basically when they applied from the first person to the last person. So that's kind of the way we've done it this year. All right, we'll take a break and we will be back at 310. Thank you. Here shortly. Here. Save these conversations for deliberations too. This is really important. Yeah. To talk about yeah. I was going to say we probably need to hold off on the communication. Well, of this well, we want to have a big record of this too for right. the group that takes it over. Right. <clears throat> All right, we're back. It's three ten, and we're going to get started. Uh, the next uh, presentation is from the Stocktoberfest, and Allie. Kerbo. Yes, Kerbo. Hello. Uh, my name is Allie Kerbo. I'm the director of development at Just Food. Um, we invite you to raise your steins at Just Food's first Stocktoberfest, hosted at venue 1235 in September 2024. This event will not only support Just Food's essential services and help stock the shelves of our pantry, it will also uplift local breweries, artists, and restaurants. Venue 1235 space is incredible and will allow us to host this event outdoors in their courtyard, creating a beer garden, kids zone, and stage for musicians. We plan on featuring a lineup of three to four local musicians for entertainment through the, throughout the event. We'll also be creating a kids zone that will include experiences for all ages, making this a family friendly affair that's sure to draw a crowd from surrounding areas. We hope to make Stocktoberfest an annual tra tradition, highlighting the incredible local brewers that Lawrence has to offer, feature fantastic local restaurants, and celebrate Lawrence's diverse music scenes. Lastly, this event will uplift Just Food and our mission to alleviate hunger in Douglas County. All funds raised will go directly to food purchasing for Just Food's pantry, which serves over 300 families a day. Okay, any questions or clarifications you need for the application for Stocktoberfest? What was the venue again? 1235. It's right north, right there. Oh, okay. Oh, across I-7. Yeah, yeah, I can't, it used that to be oh, something close. Yeah. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yes, yep, just north of the bridge. How many people does that hold? So he said um, if it's indoor and outdoor, we can do almost 900. Oh. Yeah, we're, we're anticipating it being pretty large. Other questions? All right. Uh, we'll transition to the next one, and she's going to put on another hat here. Uh, Just Foods Dinner Series, series named to be determined. So yes. Ahead, yeah, and we actually have just decided on a name formally, so I can oh, share that with you as well. Wow, we're going to be the The new, yeah, I'm testing it on yeah. you. Yeah. Um, so at Just Food, we believe that when you provide families with the knowledge, skills, and resources to nourish themselves, we're not just feeding our community, we're empowering it to thrive. The Fond Dinner Series will directly benefit individuals in Douglas County experiencing food insecurity through Just Food Services. We are partnering with some of Lawrence's best chefs for the Fond Dinner Series. 
This series is a nod to fond memories of each chef's childhood, crafting elevated versions of their nostalgic dishes. The fond is a culinary term referring to the brown bits at the bottom of the pot when you're creating a sauce or a soup. These are the foundation of flavor in each dish. Similarly, these nostalgic recipes from each chef are the foundation of their culinary journey. This dinner series is sure to draw food writers, culinary enthusiasts, and creatives from surrounding areas. Each dinner will be a one-time opportunity to connect directly with local chefs and will be an exclusive look into their journeys. This will be a six dinner series with the finale at the end of 2024 with a cocktail party recap, bringing together all of our restaurant partners for an evening of celebration and light bites. Each chef's contribution and each chef's contribution to the series. We hope you'll join us on this flavorful journey where every bite is a chapter of nostalgia and every ticket sold supports Just Food's mission. How big will each dinner be in terms of attendance? Yeah, it depends on each restaurant partner um, and their space and what they can host. So it will be directly at each restaurant rotating throughout the city. Do you have the chefs committed? We have a few ask out, but no formal commitments. Okay. And so they will be committing their restaurant to that evening then and to that event? Correct, and then they'll get a stipend from us from each ticket to help cover um, food expense or staffing. Any other questions or clarifications needed? Thank you. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we have the National African American Quilt Convention, and I believe there she is. She's online. She's in San Francisco. She's in San Francisco, uh, Marla. That's the Golden Gate. Hi. Good afternoon, everyone. How are you? Good. 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 Thank you. I am Marla Arne Jackson. I'm the executive director of Marla Quilts Inc. Also the owner of the African-American Quilt Convention, and I'm part of the National Underground Network to Freedom for the National Park Service. This is my fourth convention. And June 19th through the 22nd of June, we're gonna celebrate, we're gonna celebrate Juneteenth with the Underground Railroad. We're going to uh, interview and have a panel discussion of everyone that was involved, the each state, Missouri, Kansas, Wyandotte County, Topeka, and we're going to answer the questions. I interviewed and researched over 10 years of an enslaved woman that was in Missouri and was stolen by the Union soldiers and brought to Lawrence, Kansas, and she lived here for 42 years. Also, more untold stories during Quantrill's raid. My children's great-great-grandmother was the one, the first one to warn us that Lawrence was going to be burned down. And the, um, Thaddeus Marshall, he interviewed one of the uh, people that she said that she heard speak inside of a storage house where she was staying. And they... Uh, Anyway, she told them the next day Lawrence was burnt down and my kids' grandmother was shot. 
and she crawled back and somebody took her to a doctor, but she survived. But we're gonna learn about her story. I'm gonna have African-American quilters. It's about the Underground Railroad. I also uh, have been asked to purchase the Miller House at 1104 Haskell Avenue. We're gonna celebrate on that land. There's five acres. We're gonna celebrate it because it was sacred. It was the first safe house. It was one of the safe houses where 13 slaves were there safely heading to Canada. And he stored them in, Mr. Uh, Miller stored them in his uh, smokehouse. Now he was an abolitioner. He was from uh, South Carolina. And before he came, he was beaten and his ministers was tarred and feathered because they was against anti-slavery. So what I decided to do is bring everyone together to learn more about the Underground Railroad and the role the Union soldiers played in and the Reconstruction. I've asked Cass County's Historical Society, their re former researcher is Diane Magnus, and she's gonna talk about her research about uh, the, the night before the rip in Lawrence, Kansas. Maria was stolen and was brought to Lawrence. But um, let's see, we're gonna have um, hopefully about 400 people coming to Lawrence. We're gonna be all over. We're gonna be at the Spencer Museum. We're gonna be uh, working with Wonder Fair, Lawrence Art Center, um, Museum, Watkins Museum, and so many people, let's see. Percolator, we're gonna be in Topeka at Arts Connect, Brown versus Board of Education, and it just goes on and on. And I make, like I said, we're gonna have classes where people can teach. I have invited the Juneteenth committee to be a part of this, you know, this great event. It's gonna be huge. We're gonna have uh, reenactors of underground, uh, civil, I'm sorry, uh, First Kansas Colored Troops. We're gonna call out the 91 names. There were 91 men living in Douglas County at, during the reconstruction. And some of those people were the, my children's relatives. Also, we're gonna be going to Brown, celebrating Brown versus Board of Education, the uh, seventh year of, the silver, of civil rights as far as education. Um, that was a transition for kids who weren't from Kansas. So I'm gonna talk about my struggle from the results of Brown v. Board. We're gonna have a panel discussion of distinguished professors. Some are from KU. We're gonna have Dr. Uh, Zanny Spahn. She was a former graduate student. She's now a, a professor, I'm sorry, professor from Tuskegee Institute. She's one of our keynote speakers. Also, we're bringing in the top of the Underground Railroad. Her name is Diane, her name is Diane Williams. She just retired. She is the former ex national and international executive director of the Underground Railroad Network to Freedom. Thank and you. One of the reasons why we're, oh, I'm sorry. Thank you, your time is up. Do we have any questions or? Um, clarifications that are needed from her submission. There's just one kind of on the budget. I mean, one thing that stands out a little bit is the consulting fee. It's quite a bit more than uh, like marketing or anything else is 34,000. Uh, just could you explain that a bit more? 
why that's as high on your We have worked with so I'm sorry, you, the consulting fees you're saying? Yeah, yeah, it was 34 grand, I think, on that, which was, it stood out of. I think that was 3,400. 3, I think that's. Okay, crazy. okay, that might be. <laughs> yeah, that's a mistake. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I've, like I said, I've worked. Oh, I can't talk anymore. My time no, is No, no, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm not, okay. I, don't, I don't like to be the stifling of things, but we've got we've to gotta keep things moving. But, but Marla... this was an amazing, amazing event. We had 25,000 people who came through at the Spencer doing that convention. And so we also had a convention in um, Kansas City at the Black Archives will be there as well. We'll be at Quindaro. Uh, Diane Miller, she'll be there speaking about uh, Quindaro ruins and how we all connect. I have Holly Zane. She's okay. Associate Director of Freedom's Frontiers, so and she'll be speaking as well. Thank I've you. a lot of people coming. Thank you very much. Thanks, Marla. Thanks, Without Marla. any other questions, thank, thank you very much, Marla. You make it a great day. Okay, next, thank you. next up is Baroque by Candlelight, a tour of Italy outreach program, Allison Watkins. Actually, no, I'm not Allison. I'm sorry, you're not, <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm Leanne Thompson. Have, so I'm yep. sorry. She couldn't make it today, okay. so I'm, I'm here and on her are. behalf. I'm Leanne Thompson. Leanne, okay. mm -hmm. Thank you. What we are looking at this year is we have um, a Baroque by Candlelight concert. It will be held at Plymouth Church and it's, I believe, the 20th of January or so. Anyway, what we are doing for this one is we are partnering with a couple of restaurants here in Lawrence. On the tickets, we're going to give everybody a 10% discount from these two restaurants, trying to pull more people in. And we'd like to get a mailing out to all the other little smaller towns around Lawrence so they can participate in this as well. It's not a whole big ask here, but uh, it's it's important to us, what and we're excited. The, oh, you said the event date was the 20th. Yeah. 27th, I think it 27th. is. 27th. Yeah. Okay. January 27th. And you're just looking especially to get monies to help. For the mailings. And mailings and marketing and all that. Yes, that's correct. Any other questions or clarifications? Do you have any other uh, sponsors? We have two, um, Papakinos and uh, Basil Leaf right now. Cool. So there'll, there'll be something that we give out to each person, each ticket that's sold that can have a 10% uh, reduction on their food bill. Do you have any idea how many people you had last year? Last year we probably had uh, between 150 and 200 people at this concert. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Any other questions? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Next up is the Lawrence Old Fashioned Christmas Parade. And I don't know. Marty? No, he's Julie, okay. I was I thought I saw Julie on there earlier. I'm here. Marty's uh, gonna be joining as well. Is he on yet? I don't, is, 
Kurt is if he's planning to go and ride at three thirty or what. But I uh, I have his remarks if um, <laughs> if you want me to go ahead. Yeah, we're and running a little. We're going to tag team it, but I can certainly do his remarks as well if we need to keep moving here. What do you want to do? Just keep. I just move forward. Okay. Roger, yeah. Roger I can go and. Okay. Why don't we do this? We're going to swap your time with the Lawrence Veterans Day Parade, okay? So, Julie, just hold okay, still. Okay, and I'll we'll try to get him on. Okay? Right, I will contact him and try to get him on. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> Michael Kelly, and I'm um, chairperson of the Lawrence Veterans Day Parade Association. Thank you for this opportunity. The not-for-profit Lawrence Veterans Day Parade Association respectfully requests a grant to support our November 2024 event. The parade exists to remember and honor our local veterans. Military service improves the worldliness of every service member through arduous training and shared sacrifice in support of our national interests. Through their service, veterans experience other languages, cultures, and values. These veterans return to civilian life and contribute to our community and share those experiences. Douglas County has almost 6,000 military veteran residents, according to the Census Bureau. Military service increases the social capital of our communities comprised of veterans and their families. One example, many of the oral surgeons in Lawrence obtained their degree and enhanced their specialty by practice in the military. Our local quality of life is better for that. We are certainly not the only Veterans Day Parade in Northeast Kansas, but the Lawrence Veterans Day Parade Association is dedicated to serving our veteran community throughout the year. We have partnered with the Lawrence Veterans Administration community-based outpatient clinic social workers to respond and financially support local veterans experiencing life turmoil. This small effort is solely based on raising funds over and above the cost of the parade. The grant would greatly enhance our capability to serve additional needy veterans, which would help enhance Lawrence's strong tradition of helping those in need. Additionally, the parade's reach goes beyond the city's boundaries. In recent years, our participants have included several Gold Star families, military vehicle collectors, government agencies, members of the Kansas National Guard and Air National Guard, and their extended families from numerous communities outside of Lawrence. Military veterans demonstrated the virtue of selflessness by protecting our precious Constitution. Our inalienable rights of individual freedom, central to our culture, are and were protected by the service of our veterans. We honor them with our event in the historical free state town of Lawrence. In summary, Lawrence veterans community is an integral part of the city's fabric, its norms, its values, and culture. This event not only serves to honor these veterans, but to recognize their ongoing and lasting support for Lawrence. I'm happy to answer your questions. I'm embarrassed to say that I don't know when you had your last event. Yes, sir. How many people do you think attended? I saw pictures, but I... I'm not very good at estimating crowd sizes. I would say over a thousand. Yeah, cool. It's, it's very dependent on the weather. Two years ago, it was quite cold, like 20 degrees, and I would say there were a few hundred. But this year, there were many more. Thank you. Any other questions or clarifications needed? All right. Thank, Thank you, you, Roger. Thank you. Thank you, board members. Thank you. Okay. Did, has Marty joined yet? He's online, yeah. Okay, great. So. Yes. Yep. Julie and Marty with the Lawrence Old Fashioned Christmas Parade.
So the floor is yours. Looks like you're muted, Marty. <laughs> Marty's been running around putting no parking signs and uh, getting ready for our That's... parade, which is on Saturday morning. So he's been a little bit frantic today. Uh... That's good to know because we gave him signs <laughs> to put up. So that's good. There we go. I think he's, I think he's on, unmuted okay. now. So. Can you hear me now? Yes, Marty, we yes. can hear you. Thank okay. you. Uh, good afternoon. I'm Marty Kennedy, president of the Lawrence Old Fashioned Christmas Parade. Been out putting up signs ready for this weekend. The Lawrence Old Fashioned Christmas Parade is one of the most unique parades in the nation. It takes place on the first Saturday in December, promptly at 11 o'clock. It has been recognized by the USA Today newspaper as one of the top 10 destinations to kick off the holiday season. Estimates for spectators are 20 to 30,000. Entries come from six surrounding states. This is our 30th year. Each year we are fortunate to receive some funding through the city of Lawrence TGT grant process. It used, it used to be the Eldridge Old Fashioned Christmas Parades. It is now the Lawrence Old Fashioned Christmas Parade. We hope you will continue to support us. Julie DeYoung, our great anchor on advertising and IT, will now discuss our grant and answer questions. Julie. Thanks, Marty. Um, as Marty said, this is our 30th parade and it is happening this Saturday, so I don't have this year's results to share with you. Um, but based on the 2022 parade and the uh, data five information provided by Explore Lawrence, um, as Marty said, we had uh, estimated more than 30,000 visitors um, to downtown Lawrence, and uh, about a third of that activity comes from out-of-state visitors, and almost 40% of attendees were from outside Lawrence. So it does attract uh, attendees from not only local, but regionally, um, and a number of, of surrounding states as well. Um, it does happen during the off-peak tourism season, being that first weekend in December, and is a big draw to kick off the holiday shopping season in downtown Lawrence. We partner with the Watkins, with Downtown Lawrence, and with Explore Lawrence um, on promotional activities to bring traffic downtown to generate that additional um, economic activity, which again was estimated from the 2022 parade to be more than $2 million. Um, we directly utilize hotel rooms for the parade participants, and we know other rooms are utilized by family members and friends that come into town to go to the parade because it's become an annual holiday kickoff event. Um, we um, appreciate the funding that we've received in the past. And in particular, for this year, we've used the marketing funds to expand the reach of our activities, um, including to within the equine community to attract more participants and spectators by advertising with Better Horses Media. And we've expanded our other advertising efforts to reach the Topeka and Kansas City markets. So the uh, marketing support that's provided by the TGT grant, uh, we think are, we're using to continue to build awareness and broaden the draw for the parade. And I'd be happy to answer any questions about the grant application. Any clarifications or questions? It's pretty clear. Hearing none, thank you, Julie and Marty. appreciate your time. Thank, thank you. you all for your help. Thank you. All right. Up next is the Lawrence Mardi Gras Parade. Dylan Bassett. Hello, everybody. Can you hear me? Yeah. We can. Thank you. 
Right. Uh, okay, uh, my name is Dylan Bassett, and I'm here just to uh, tell you about the Lawrence Mardi Gras Parade. Um, it's a colorful, quirky, fun, whimsical downtown event on a Tuesday afternoon in February. Uh, it started by a family of musicians that got washed out of New Orleans and Katrina, and uh, every year we gather a bit before noon down by the Granada, and um, a rehearsed core band starts to play tunes, and then everybody in the community starts uh, joining along with instruments and singing. And uh, we take a stroll up the Mass Street sidewalks in and out of restaurants. And um, I'd say, you know, hundreds of folks come out to celebrate and uh, watch and take part in it every year, uh, have lunch and drinks downtown um, on that Tuesday in February. Uh, it's a little hard to explain, so I wanted to share my screen if I can and show you some of the stuff. So hopefully that's okay with you all. Can you see this now? Yes. All right, thanks. Uh, so here's our website. Uh, this is the Lawrence Mardi Gras Parade. This is uh, the event happening at Ninth and Mass, and this is our way to be able to help people know about it. Uh, we've got a countdown clock. We're working on it right now uh, to make things happen and get the band together for this year. We've got 74 days, and this is where folks can be able to learn more about the event and uh, learn how to play along. The Lawrence Times wrote up an article about us. There's another, same corner, must be a pretty one for photos. <laughs> um, and uh, this is the uh, I Heart Local Music, and so you can go there. I got links on the application here. So there's a bunch of uh, photos of the event over the years. Super fun. Um, uh, let's see, and you can go to YouTube and just search Lawrence Mardi Gras Parade, and we're the Lawrence that pops up, so that's cool. Um, and uh, here's a bunch of videos, so you can be able to see uh, the stroll. Let's see, I wanted to give you a little in information about our budget request. Um, uh, the first thing that we would, uh, what we're requesting is to get some uh, help with the website, that's uh, just to make that website work, and that's our, that's the core of the of the event, let anybody know about it. And this would be cool if we did some uh, advertisement for it, let people know about it, make a graphic. That's that first thing is all marketing. The second thing is this party bus. Uh, one year, uh, Kansas City has this great Mardi Gras scene. And uh, one year they brought two limos full of Mardi Gras revelers to Lawrence and right when everybody's gathering on Mass Street, they all pop out of these limos like a clown car and the crowd got lit up and they all brought instruments and it just really, built the scene. So I was thinking it'd be really fun to bring a party bus and even more of folks to come. They'll all have lunch and have drinks here and, and uh, make the whole scene better. And that budget that I have there, I uh, got a better uh, bid just today so we can knock off uh, $450 off of that one uh, and still make the whole thing happen. Um, the last one at the bottom here, uh, key musicians, this is to help pay the core band. This is the, the core of the whole parade and what makes it energize and have songs. They rehearse a bunch and get arrangements and that kind of stuff. They put things together. And traditionally, bands are paid for this kind of event um, in New Orleans and around. So that's basically all I have. Um, do you all have any questions I can answer? Uh, we're, we're a nonprofit, small time, and um, we've gotten some, we usually are funding on uh, private donations. Okay, opening it up for questions or clarifications of the application. 
Do you guys have any, um, are, are you looking at any additional sponsors? That sure, you know, this is a cool event. I mean, I've, I've run into this many times and I love it. It seems to me like you ought to be able to snag uh, an additional sponsor or two um, besides just us. I'm just asking you because I, I have to imagine people would want to sponsor this. It's pretty darn cool. Yeah, we don't have any, there's nothing like a, I don't know. We we could we could we could work on that. We we've been we've been funding. We've been working off of private donations so far. Right. So that's what you know. That's what's making the website work right now. And um, you know, uh, but yeah, we could we could try it. That. Thanks. For sure. Have it ended Terrabon there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, Terrabon's a big thing, and we're we're gonna start there. They got beignets in the morning uh, and cool. coffee, and yeah. so we're gonna start it off there, and then we're gonna end it there with a little concert oh, um, because. You know, Greg's making great stuff happen downtown. Love that place. So we want to make it a central focus of it. I don't know. You know, usually the, all those places that they, they do buy us beers on. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Any other questions or clarifications needed? No. No. All right, Dylan, thank you very much. Hey, thanks a bunch. Appreciate you all. Have a good one. Next up is Dia de los Muertos, or Day of the Dead community celebration. And Kyla Love. Yes. Hello, everyone. Um, I am Kyla Love. I am the board chair of the Lawrence Percolator, which is a nonprofit art space here in Lawrence that has been in operation since 2011, focused on increasing accessibility to the arts and building bridges between artists and audience. We are here um, kind of in partnership with Somos Lawrence, which is a community organization dedicated to uh, community outreach and increasing access to resources for the Spanish-speaking population here in Lawrence. So we are asking for your support. Um, I'm going to share my screen real quick. For the uh, uh, Dia, it's an annual community celebration for Dia de los Muertos, uh, which also uh, in English is Day of the Dead for anyone who doesn't know. So that is a holiday um, with Mexican roots that celebrates, really honors the passing of loved ones. And it, rather than being kind of a somber affair, it's a really vibrant celebration of life. So annually that happens. It's um, this in 2024 will be our fourth annual event. It takes place in the community gardens at John Taylor Park. Um, behind the Ballard Center, and there are lots of partnering organizations. You can see some photos. This is the flyer from this past year. Up to this point, it has very much been a grassroots organization. We have gotten a grant previously from the um, Douglas County Heritage Conversa Conservation Council. This past year, we got a grant from Moms Demand Action. Each year, the event has a, a general theme. Um, so the first year was deaths related to homelessness. Um, second year was deaths related to COVID. This past year was deaths related to um, uh, gun violence, excuse me. So every year there are multiple family ofrendas that are set up where each family, you know, usually members of Somos Lawrence um, can come and honor their loved ones. And there's also a community altar that's set up that is really a, a large art installation. It has interactive components. So that's where a big part of where the Lawrence Percolator comes in. Um, you can see this past year, we were able to bring in an artist from Mexico who did community workshops, went and visited schools and offered instructions. So I've got a few slides here on the benefits um, of the, the event itself. So we do support local businesses. We do equipment uh, rentals. This past year, we got, you know, tents, heaters, chairs, things like that. Um, support Mexican bakeries. We have hot chocolate, Day of the Dead bread. Um, this next year, we would really love to dedicate more funds to hotel and transportation for visiting artists, hopefully generating some more out-of-town traffic, um, additional marketing and promotion, like I 
said, it's been very much grassroots, in-kind donation, volunteer-supported outside of those couple grants that we've received. Um, we'd also like to hire security so that the families can have um, just kind of overnight security so that they can have more time. A lot of them are working, and they show up the day of the event and rush to get their altars up, um, ofrendas up. So we would love to hire some security that would come from just local source of well as well. Um, it also supports local families. This past year, with funds that we raised, we were able to offer prize money for the most creative family ofrendas, and that was a really fun aspect of the event that hadn't happened before. We had judges. One of them was Juan Hernandez Rodriguez, which was the visiting artist from Mexico. Another one was a local artist here, Ramon Valdez, as well as Dave Lowenstein were the judges for that, and that was a really fun thing, interactive part of the event. So, like I said, we're going to focus on increasing visitor attendance from outside of Lawrence. Um, some of the cultural benefits here, you can see, like I said, the uh, this is the art installation. It was a giant paper mache butterfly kind of representing transformation. Um, and here we had it where family or community members could place a feather into the butterfly to honor their loved ones that passed. So here's a child um, placing one for his loved one. These are a couple of the family ofrendas. These are some of the organizers. And you can see it's just, it's a really vibrant, engaging event that promotes inclusivity. Here's some of the cultural benefits. So promotes inclusivity and com community building. Um, really like amplifying and uplifting an underrepresented population here in Lawrence that maybe doesn't always feel like they have a place. It creates one for them and then invites the, the larger Lawrence community in to kind of participate with that. There are also artistic workshops. Um, University of Kansas students came and helped volunteer the day of for setup and decoration. Um, there was artistic and culture in instruction that took place at local schools like the Lawrence High School and the Ballard Center. And it generates positive publicity for Lawrence. So we were on the front page of the journal World, featured in the Kansas Times, and we even made a newspaper in Central Mexico um, in Juan's hometown. So, so in addition to the local and hopefully regional, regional positive publicity that we're receiving, we are going international as well. Um, okay. A few other cultural uh, benefits. That's over time, so. Uh, okay. Um, yes. I, I don't want to, I, I, I hate interrupting people, but we got to keep I know. <laughs> I, I, I kind of see to talk, but it's okay. And I know of this event because I know the Big Brother Sisters, we get the park ready for them and stuff too. So, yes, it's mm. a great event. Yeah, very much. Questions or, or clarifications people need for the application? Yeah, I was just wondering, um, so do you have like a committee that w with members of Somos that work with you to plan this whole event? Yes, so uh, Araceli Masterson is the head of Somos Lawrence. She's a pro professor at the University of Kansas. She kind of leads the committee for that. So it is comprised of members of Somos Lawrence. We uh, meet weekly leading up to the event. And so this year, I think meetings started in September. So that includes members of Somos Lawrence, members of the Lawrence Percolator, this year members of Moms Demand Action were there as well, kind of all collaborating and planning for the event. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other questions or clarifications? Uh, no. Thank you very I much, had, Kyla. Oh, oh I wait, had one got more. A question, got a question. Sorry. 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 I'm just trying to figure out the budget a little bit because you mentioned, I know you want to bring artists back, another artist maybe back, another visiting artist. You were talking about Juan Hernandez being here before. He's, is he written in the budget? But that was last year, right? So are you just suggesting we want to Yes, we would bring him back again. Oh, you want to bring him? Okay. okay. And, then in, and then in future years, expand that out to bring in even more artists. I but, got you. Just but we'll start sure. with bringing Juan back again, yes. Got you. Okay, thank you.
Do you see yourselves uh, looking for any additional sponsors? Yes, in the future, like I said, it's been very much grassroots up to this point, but as we continue to grow, we've thought about partnering with local businesses, kind of maybe beginning fundraising earlier in the year. Um, so yes, that is kind of in the general plans. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Kyla. You make it a great Thank day. Okay, Indeed. next up is the third annual Great Plains Art and Music Festival, and Tom Pfeiffer is here, I see, in the person. Hi. Uh, I'm Tom Feiler. Am I allowed to pass anything out? Or yeah. Does, yeah. You guys want to look at those? You just glance at them. They're not. Um, so. so let's start the timer here. Okay, so yeah, my name's Tom Feiler, uh, producer uh, Great Plains Art and Music Festival. Whole idea of this event is um, it's meant to be the City of Lawrence's Community Art and Music Festival, truly for the community. So this is supposed to be all the local nonprofit art groups and organizations come together once a year and throw a community art and music festival. So I put it together. Uh, the idea is to invite all the other organizations to come out and take part. I represent a, a long line of volunteers and community organizers. Decades ago, we helped uh, to put together Sesquicentennial Point. Uh, I'm not sure if you all know much about it, but it's a beautiful park. It's a, uh, the City of Lawrence Parks and Recs manages this beautiful location. It was put together so that we would have a place that had parking for thousands of cars. So there's parking for 3,000 cars. We made the park. I had to take a break. 10 years later, 20 years later, I'm back and I'm finally doing this again. It's going on the third year. We've spent thousands of dollars marketing it to the region and we've created it to be a regional event. So the idea is everybody comes from out of town, from Topeka and Kansas City, and they come here, or from Omaha, Wichita, the whole area. Um, we realized decades ago that there's only parking for hundreds of cars downtown. There really isn't truly enough parking for a, a big event in South Park. Uh, if you look at the current parking studies, there's only parking for three or 400 cars. So you're never going to bring in thousands and thousands of visitors. Uh, those numbers are, are padded. I mean, when you look at the events downtown, it's physically impossible to bring thousands of cars downtown to your event. Most of the stuff that's going on is just the people who are already downtown. So this event is out at Sesquicentennial Point. We don't have anybody just wandering around. Everybody that is coming has been brought in. And that, I think, is important. And I think over the years, it has the potential to truly be something that Lawrence can be proud of and that the whole region can be proud of. Um, that's kind of it. I mean, we've got a nonprofit. We've got sponsorships. We've got uh, a, a, it, it worked out so that all we really need is an infusion over the next several years, and then it should be self-sustainable. It almost already is. Uh, so yeah, we, we've got a sponsorship kit. We've got a website. We uh, we've got graphic designers and artists. We've got everything we need to make this successful. We just need some um, a boost in the arm over the next several years. Uh, we're, we're not going to have the energy to keep doing it every year after year after year without the help. Uh, we've, uh, We've, we've set the tone, we've set the, we've set the base for this thing. So we're either gonna support the Sesquicentennial Point Park and start having events out there and bring in thousands of cars, or we're gonna kid ourselves and have events downtown and just entertain people who are already there anyway. And you might bring in hundreds of people, but there's not parking for them all. The, you know, so that's the reality. Uh, that's where I'm at with this event, and if I could get your support, that'd be fantastic. Thank you. Any uh, questions or Clarifications needed. Um, you noted 
You noted that you're creating a nonprofit too in relationship. Yeah, there is a nonprofit. Yeah, so it's free during the day, and then after the after the day into the evening, it turns into a, a paid event. Okay. And uh, I'm trying to create a uh, it's called a L3C. It's a it's a form of limited liability company that's also a LLC that's also a like a it's for uh, it's a for-profit but, but has non-profit purposes it's a new a new thing that we don't have in kansas yet it's called an l3c okay. um and it, but yeah it's meant so that we can be self-sustaining and not have to rely on the grant money every year yeah okay thank you yeah just one uh, question I, I guess about what you think the attendance will be if i look at the ticket sales yeah you're selling 10 to ten dollars advance 15 day of so if you averaged about 13 bucks a ticket looks like you're counting 200 people well so last couple of years i was charging 25 dollars a ticket this year we're going to charge 10. uh yeah and then we give away thousands and thousands of tickets and then it's free all day long so the entertainment starts in the morning from 8 to 9 a.m and then it's free all the way up until three or four so you've already seen lots of bands and lots of performers and theater and dance and entertainment by the time it turns into a paid event and then the paid event portion yeah we, we've only sold maybe 200 tickets the first year two or 300 tickets the second year which i'm told is fantastic for a first and second year event um, but yeah it will easily bloom into you know, 500,000, couple thousand people buying tickets and um, cap out at 3,000 cars, which we think will be around five, six, seven thousand 7,000 people in the park at one time, which is a true, real event that you can actually claim those numbers and data as your own, which I think is important that we actually focus on what's realistic. Because that's why we built that park, because there was nowhere to park. Bertram Park, the parking's gone now when they built the the the, hosp the hospital built the, the mental health campus. That parking's gone now, so you can't really have a big event at Bertram Park, and you can't have a Bertram a big event in the East Lawrence Arts District because there's no parking. And around South Park, there's only a couple hundred spots. Um, so even if you block off Seventh or Eighth Street, you're only going to have three or four hundred open parking spots. All right. All right. Thank, thank you, you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> right. thank you guys for everything you do. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Next up. Live on mass. Michael Logan, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Good. 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 Um, thanks for having me. Mike Logan, I own the Granada Theater and the Bottleneck in downtown Lawrence. We book music year round. Tonight in Lawrence, between Liberty Hall, the Bottleneck, and Granada, there's 1,800 tickets sold between those three shows. Um, there's 3,200 parking spaces downtown and plenty in the neighborhoods. Live on Mass began in 2018 with the TGT grant, and uh, the event is sponsor-driven. Uh, it's free, and our attendance has been anywhere between 4,000 and 7,500 people to the event in one city block downtown. Um, there is a tremendous uh, boon to retail and hospitality businesses when we host this event. We seek other sponsorship outside of the city of Lawrence, um, the low-hanging fruits, your beverage and energy drink and things of that nature. Um, we do search for larger corporate sponsorships, which are harder to come by without a more um, robust series. I've done as many as three live on mass in one um, year. Uh, last year, we did one of our own. And um, a neat product of the investment from the city of Lawrence and the energy of our staff is two years ago, 
um, the University of Kansas came to us and said, we love what you do. Here's $150,000, do that for us downtown. So we've, we did that in 2022 and 2023, plans to do it in 24 with them as a, another standalone event as the Kia Rock Chalk Block Party housed under the same production facility that, that produces Live on Mass. I typically put those in the summertime, um, and last time I gave this presentation two years ago, um, music venues like Granada and Bottleneck, um, they're backwards amusement parks, right? We're busy um, in the fall and the spring. Summertime, it's festival season. There's a lot of boulevardias all over the country, and bands can jump from one event to another. They don't have to stop in Lawrence and play at the Bottleneck on a Tuesday or Granada on a Wednesday. So these events are important. Um, we look for emerging artists. Um, 2018, I booked a little guy named Billy Strings for $500 to open up for Split Lip Rayfield. Now he sells 10,000 tickets everywhere he goes across the country. Cool get for Lawrence. That's our aim is to find artists before they, they pop. They have to be in that room range so we can afford them. Um, the marketing request I've given you guys is specifically for marketing. It's for us to go out in 150 mile radius through all different means to um, tell people to come to Lawrence for, for a night. Any questions for me? This is a great juxtaposition to the last uh, uh, presentation. Um, I love that and I love this. So, then I, I was looking at the roster. There's so many cool music things. Fund them all. I think they're, I mean, the more things we can do with, with music and finding reasons to get behind it and all ways, shapes, and form and getting the music venues and promoters to work together, I think it's really, really a fun thing to do. You might get us a full budget since we've been holding everybody else accountable yeah. for a full budget instead of just the marketing part. Sure. Um, to the extent that you can. A, a typical. You can submit it and we'll get it yeah. to yeah, yeah. A typical, a typical full budget. I just gave you the marketing component of it. Typical full budget um, for a live on mass will be someplace between thirty-five and forty-five thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Just put something down. Sure. We made everybody else do it. Sure. So if you could just send it to me and I'll get it to the board. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Appreciate oh, just like a production, like stage artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah sure. I, sorry, I, I put that budget together based on what we'd spend to tell people about it. Okay. Sure. Understood. Other questions? Sweet. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thanks, you. Mike. Thanks Mike. All right. And, and I see that the last applicant is now in the room. So karma didn't come and get me. Careful. I know. We got three minutes. Okay, but <laughs> no, 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 no. Please come forward because then I'm going to be eating crow here. It's uh, okay. Uh, the Lawrence Art Guild, Art in the Park, and Maria uh, Martin uh, is here to present. So the floor is yours. Anything I want to say, right? For three minutes. Your okay. time starts now. Yes. Well, as you all know, the Lawrence Art Guild um, produces. Art in the Park, and it has done so since 1962. In the park, it's been since 1964, so it is a long-standing event. And over time, it's gained a lot of strength, and everything has its ups and downs. But in the past oh, six, seven years, it's just continued to grow in drawing people and also presenting newer artists each year. Before pandemic, we were scheduled to set up to start a two-day event, which is typical of how other art um, shows like this run. And uh, pandemic happened and we held off. 
causing us then to change our date for fall, which has turned out to be just like positive for the event. Um, we had our event, we drew so many people to that, it was, it was really amazing. And from that, it just grew to the next year. And this past year, by the sales, and I'm, I'm gonna jump on this, but by the sales the artists had, we knew we we reached what our marketing was all about. We brought people who were interested in art, brought them to downtown. They stayed the night. They did all these things that you know you're aiming for, and um, and it's we have ways of figuring that out. And I think it was um, unmistakably Lawrence that gave us information on how to conduct a survey. So we did surveys when people came to the information booth and I had a couple people walk around the park and informally ask questions. And it was really amazing, the information that you got back. And it, it was, I think it, I documented it in the final report from last year. Um, this year we will do all the same of that, but we're also in this grant application wanting to continue with what we were able to do as a result of last year's grant. We updated and developed a new website for the Guild. We had a professional designer design it. We set ourselves with a brand, and we were able to touch marketing all east of Lawrence. Had to start somewhere. We went east because of the Kansas City KC Studio and the um, amount of work they do to publicize everything, both in Kansas City and in the region. And that brought results. And the last thing we did was um, the November-December issue, which kept us alive in that because we have our Guild's all-member show as well as our holiday art fair. And because of the grant from last year, we are hoping to continue with heading out towards west and south, advertising strongly in Wichita, Salina, Topeka, and as far west as we could go. We've contacted, um, the rates for all these things are pretty much the same. They don't have as many um, magazines and newspapers that we do here in, the, here in Lawrence and then going east. But they have enough and enough art centers there. In a lot of these small towns, it's the art centers that you want to hit. They have people who live in the area who just collect art. And they're the ones that you want to get your information to. And this type of a grant would help us to continue what we did last year, grow on it, and um, just try to keep bringing more people into town. And um, when we received the uh, Best of Show for a nonprofit this year, I didn't realize this was the third year in a row that this has happened to, the, to Art in the Park. And each one of those years was our two-day event that just made a big bang. It just drew people, drew artists from across the country who came in, and it also drew visitors. Um, when artists go, artists in Lawrence go to all these art shows, and they go all over the place. And every time, I don't go all over the place, but every time we go out, we take information with us. We take posters of upcoming things. And I was just really, surprised at how many people from the shows I'd been to who came looking to see the people that they saw there and you know in Columbia and I mean it just continued and it did so too and generalized onto other events we do so it's been really good 
I'm over three You're minutes. Over okay. Time. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, does anybody have any questions or clarifications they need with the application? Was there, was there a budget? There was just it's for marketing. Marketing. Can yeah. you submit the whole budget? Okay. <laughs> yeah. When you were saying that before, I realized did I do that? Yeah. I have it, and I will send okay. it to you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Okay. Well, thanks for waiting. <laughs> All right. So. Bring it back to the board here for a second and look at our agenda here. I want to again thank you all for taking the time. I know taking carving out a, a big swath of time on a, on a weekday during the day is sometimes difficult to do. And I appreciate you extending that 30 minutes that we originally had booked till 3.30 because it just seemed more practical to get them all done in one day. Um, so again, I want to look at the calendar here. Um, Oh, no? Tuesday. Yeah, we have more time. We were thinking we didn't have as much time to see. I thought it was Sunday. Sunday. It's next Tuesday. Cool. Yeah. We're really excited to see that it's Tuesday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tuesday. So submitting your scores back to me by Tuesday at 5 p.m. And then Friday, we will get all the tabulations put together and we'll have that meeting uh, to review and make recommendations to the board or from the board to the city commission. And then it goes to the city commission on the 21st of December. And you all are able to get to the link with the PDFs? Mm -hmm. Okay, I just want to make sure we have Are they, they're really, they're difficult to print. They're like over multiple pages. Is there, can we do it online? Can we enter our numbers online? Oh, you mean the score sheet? Score sheet. Spreadsheet. Yeah, you can enter. Score sheet, sheet should just be a single sheet. Yeah, just. Yeah. Single spreadsheet. So you can just, it's just like an Excel sheet. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I must Excel have seen something thing. else. Uh, and oh, it, it printed may, like. Yeah, we often, so when we show it, we print, we do it as a PDF initially just so people can see the whole. Oh, so, oh yeah, yeah. The one that Heidi sent. Yeah, yeah. Heidi sent it as an Excel sheet. Yeah, standard. and that's what it should be. And I don't know if I sent that. I thought I had sent that I earlier. think you did. But I didn't, I don't think again. I had all the names in there yet. Again, if you don't okay. have it, but it is okay. Excel sheet, so okay. it should be fairly simple. Yeah, like if you don't, small small print, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then just submit that file back okay. to me, and then I'll take it okay. and put the numbers in. Yeah, and let us know if you have any trouble. Yeah. We want to make this as easy for you as we can. Okay. could be bigger, the numbers. I'm just joking. <laughs> so tiny numbers. I'm trying to see them. We're, we're meeting at the other building? Yes, at yeah. South Park. We'll have our next meeting at South Park. And that's on the 8th? Yes, on the 8th. Or no, the 5th. That, yeah, the 8th, yeah. 8th the 8th, one, yeah. The right? 8th. Friday the 8th. Is Friday the, the 8th. And then it goes to City Commission. Right. Um, for them to make fun, you know, to you'll make a recommendation to the commission. The commission will determine if they agree with that. I would love it if I wasn't the only representative that showed up to that meeting. I'm gonna be out of town. I was gonna ask if this I had will to be speak, a Zoom they, up. They actually asked. Oh, you're talking uh, about the, the, the 21st. I'll be on the country yeah. Yeah. on the 21st. So right, and I don't think they pulled it last year. They did. They I had did? to stand Oh, that's up. right. That's right. They and did. I had to defend our um, no, methodology. Right. I'll try to be there. Oh, okay. really? They defend the methodology? Yeah. I'm not sure I want to be here. <laughs> that's been the debate for years, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, well. And it went right. back to what you were trying to do is make things self-sustainable, you know, their events and things. That's kind of what the, and you were new this year, too, and I was new, and I'm like. Well, and there so, was so okay. much sort of chaos. Yeah, coming out of COVID. Could so, you send? Is the staff will be there. Oh. Oh, okay. uh, don't worry. It isn't the board's It'll be fine. obligation to defend that. It's really okay. staff. Okay. Poor Roger got thrown in this mix <laughs> unexpectedly too. So, well, we should. I'm much. I'm much more prepared this year if I have to <laughs> do anything with this. So, okay. 
And you know, I, you know, I just quickly want to say I'm really impressed by these presentations. I've been doing this for years now. And they've gotten um, better. Yeah. A result of this, regardless of funding, is mm -hmm. that all these event applicants are getting more professional. Mm -hmm. There, I also mm -hmm. kudos to Explore Lawrence for helping them with hotel things and tracking data. We have improved so much. I mean, I go back to 2016 when we started this, and it was really amateurish. And hearing these presentations, though, I got to say, that's that's something that everybody here gets a big kudos. You know, like, wow, this is really helping our community and, and upping our whole game. Well, the thing that I notice more than anything is just the diversity of the yeah. programming this year, especially from last year to this year. I mean, yeah. this list is is so uniquely different. Yeah. And I don't want to steal the phrase, but uniquely Lawrence, it really is. I mean, there is such an eclectic feel to this that it's quirky in some ways and also just, you know, really, really sells the city in a great way. Could you? I was wondering in the application, because the, the budgets do seem to be the one thing that catches a number of folks. Could you just put a simple budget form that people could download and use if they want? Just say... Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's a good just, idea. Yeah. That's, because a lot of people don't have access to that. It's pretty straightforward, yeah. but yeah. That's I mean, and it's also just, then it'd be just easier for us to look at right. and compare, because some and, of those were like, what are you? Well, yeah, I like the handwritten one that was upside that was, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that was lovely. Yeah. I can't, yeah. Well, you could also stop to like just the marketing ones, like if you had a template that yeah. didn't just have mm -hmm. marketing. Right. Exactly, yeah. Oh no, people would actually just fill it out with just marketing. Well, yeah, I could say that too. <laughs> hey, uh, Porter, are you going to be still advising to whatever this thing becomes when it becomes whatever it becomes or i've not we've not been nobody's approached us at this okay. point um but certainly would make myself available to offer the history of this and what you know right. what the well, thinking was behind it and that kind of thing i think and i think there'll be a transition to that we probably will yeah, assist that first year at least and then let it retool however they're going to some tweaks I think we could make to the online application. Mm -hmm. Just some clarity. There's, you know, honestly, yeah. with COVID, so so big of an interruption. But I was just talking to Thea. Certainly, there's, we just haven't been able to get our sea legs back yet. And that would have been had we, if depending on what happens, if we were to continue. Right. The next big step would be to have you guys really spend some time in 2024 evaluating things and saying how do we adjust things yeah. accordingly so and we just didn't weren't able to get to that right place. well that's what we were planning on doing right. from our last meeting we talked about doing that in january right. or shortly after that to kind of get started in looking at everything and kind of so december it. 5th i think is when the uh, committee commission uh decision is going to be. so we'll know more at that point as to where they're gonna are they actually gonna move forward with something or we'll see what happens yeah. so it would be nice if there was some sort of consistency as they create whatever this new thing is, just so that there's feedback from what went wrong or did or didn't go wrong in the past, instead of recreating something new and then having to figure that all out again. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there'll be transfer of knowledge and huh. all that with order. <laughs> You're sure, huh? Yeah, yes, I'm, sir. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're on a roll. You want to bet on that like you bet <laughs> on being done today? Hey, I'll take the odds. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, and you. we will be awaiting the scoring, uh, and then see you all next Friday the 8th. Yeah, this has been cool. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you. Oh, goodness, Heidi. We, we abandoned you <laughs> in the abyss of Zoom. Yeah. It's okay. Nothing. Did you have any?